He's like in the middle of a prayer and he says, stop! <laughs> the devil! <laughs> <laughs> this could be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. Welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from Cinema Sins. Joined as always, well, this time back, Jeremy Scott, from also the, the voice of Cinema Sins, uh, and from music video since Barrett Share. Hello. And today we're going to dedicate pretty much the entire episode to the year of 1999 in our continuing series of best of the years we've been alive. I think we pretty much reached a consensus that this is the best year of the years it's, we've been alive. Uh, uh, it's got to be one of them. It's one of them for up sure. Up to this point, for sure. It's yeah. one of those years that when you're like coming up with movies, it seems like it comes up an awful lot. Like it comes up crazy amounts of mm -hmm. times. And uh, with good reason, because there's a lot of great movies that came out in 1999. And I'm going to go ahead and start off with The Matrix. The Matrix. Mm -hmm. Uh this movie, um, I think, came out of nowhere for yeah. a lot of people. Um, it came out just before Star Wars. Everybody was really excited about Star Wars The Phantom Menace because finally we're getting a new Star Wars 16 years after mm -hmm. and everything like that. This movie had a trailer where people were like, "I okay, this trailer is awesome. I don't know if I want to see this movie because Keanu's in it, but I do want. I, I it is very cool. And uh, and uh, and then it comes out, and it's like it's it's exactly what you would want to see from a sci-fi movie made by some indie directors who'd just done Bound yeah. or, at the time. The Wachowski <laughs> brothers they've uh. become the Wachowski siblings since. But, uh, but it's, it's like, this is what happens when you give good directors a lot of money and a lot of time to make a movie. And that's what we got. Yeah. And this is, I've mentioned it before. This is the single biggest gap between my impressions of a trailer and my impressions of the eventual movie. Right. So Josh and I went to see whatever came out two weeks before the matrix and they start running this trailer. And I'm like, well, I know Lawrence Fishburne. Oh, Keanu's in this. And then they're like running on walls with bullets spraying everywhere. And I'm like, this is going to be the stupidest movie ever. <laughs> so I went in like to have fun making fun of it. I was expecting this to be bad. Of course, I didn't know from the trailer the, the central conceit of the Matrix, which is that they're living in a fake computer world where the rules could be broken. And uh, God, this movie does everything right. Yep. It does almost nothing wrong. Yeah. I can find no flaws in the way they went about making this film. The casting is superb. It, uh, it took Hugo Weaving from, you know, a, basically an unknown international actor to American audiences and put him on the freaking map. Uh, and then he would go on to do Lord of the Rings and V for Vendetta and all this other stuff. Uh, Keanu's best movie, hands yeah. down. Yeah. Easily. Oh, yeah. And Keanu, we, we poke a lot of fun at him uh, for when he goes canoe. Yeah. He doesn't do that in this movie. 
No. Well, he does. Just... He does do some canoe. <laughs> the, whoa, in the trailers. The whoa, the, the whoa, whoa is one yeah. of them. Yeah. Um, and, and but that's, wh- that what, makes what, sense in that. What yeah. is happening to me? You know, that type of stuff. <laughs> or, but, or <laughs> I know Kung Fu. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> However, as we've, I think we've discussed this before, when you put Keanu in the right movie, his sort of his Keanuisms become less, you know, part of yeah. the, the movie's quality. Yeah. Just, it becomes part of what we like about the movie. <laughs> just and, don't make it Shakespeare. Yeah, just don't make it Shakespeare. <laughs> You're right. Um, I think that, it, yes, the, the trailer for this did seem stupid, but it had the one money shot of him bending down oh, and yeah. all the bullets passing him and everything. And I think that's what everybody what got everybody in the theater because we had not seen that before. No, they invented that. They invented it. And for this movie, and like it it was just one of those things where you see it in the trailer, you're like, okay, I do kind of want to see this because of that. I want to see them do that. Mm-hmm. And they did it a lot. They did it, uh, you know, it was amazing. Plus, yes. one of the reasons this movie is so awesome is that they actually built sets from scratch, uh. <laughs> which makes it awesome. Absolutely. <laughs> wink, wink. What's great about this movie is that they, they took the rules off when they're in the Matrix, yeah. but then they, they still ground it a little bit where there's ways out and ways in, and you know if you die here, they, they set up some rules, but then within those you know loose rules, they could just do whatever the hell they wanted mm-hmm. to. And that was really cool to see. And it takes like kind of a blank slate like Keanu to start figuring it out as as we do and like what you can do and what you can't do. And you have to get to a landline and all that stuff. You know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I'm on record. This is my favorite movie of all time. It's also uh, one of uh, Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson's favorite movies of mm. all time. Ooh, good company. Um, yeah. I'm not going to change my favorite movie after <laughs> he came out and said that. Um, and of course, you know, you've got uh, Elon Musk today with uh, SpaceX and Tesla, who has come out saying he believes it's very likely we're currently living in a simulation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, What's fascinating to me is that technology has gotten to the point where we can actually have conversations legitimately about what the Matrix showed us in 1999, which at the time was 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 future tech, right? It was Mm. way far off. this movie never ceases to fascinate me because of the possibilities uh, that it offers. Um, I just love it. I love it. I love it. I'm it, telling you right now, that is my vote for best movie of 99. It's got so many uh, just it, I love how it has so many like different explanations for things like deja vu, even though mm-hmm. in the movie yeah. deja vu is kind of uh, not deja vu. Yeah, but yeah. but still to have a reason for it is amazing. And then and, and that it it sets off this amazing action scene and everything like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. You saw a deja vu. Okay. That means they're changing something. Boom. Let's like get in the action. <laughs> and, uh, and there's just a lot of just, uh, thinking about your world in a different way. And I, I, I always like when things seem weird to me, like people are acting strangely or whatever, I feel like I'm in the matrix. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's an easy thing to sort of like refer back to because there's so many possibilities it brings up so many sinister possibilities yep. that it brings up um but what's, yeah what's good about this movie is that it's not so effects dependent to where it ages too much right like it it still feels fresh you know just because of like the you know the organic stuff um i'm, I'm just glad that that didn't happen because other effects movies before this is have aged poorly well there's a lot of practical stuff going on in this movie um and they did a lot of work to like all everything in zion and these ships that look like they're a hundred years old mm-hmm. other crafts uh, but what really sells this movie is how much everybody just buys in to the premise all the actors right like 
I've often thought about, you know, what if every movie got every actor to buy in like this? Like fucking Morpheus, Lawrence Fishburne is just like, he's like, I'm, I am Morpheus. Yeah. I believe this is real. Uh, and that scene when he finally, when he's testing Neo in the dojo and like the little guy comes running to the cafeteria, he's like, Morpheus is fighting Neo. And they all get up and run another. Like everybody sells that reality so hard uh, that it just feels real. And, and you need that in order for the movie to pay off. Yeah. It's also one of the best final songs to an in credit scene oh, of all time. Yes. Rage Against the Machines, Wake Up. <laughs> yes, and it's awesome. And another movie that had a terrific song at the end of the the credits or the opening of the credits, Fight Club. Yeah, with the Pixies, where's my mind? <laughs> yeah, we're um, we're really about to get into why this year is so great is because a movie like Fight Club might end up being like fifth or sixth yeah, choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. It, and Fight Club is amazing. Like you put it in almost any other year. <laughs> I, I don't know. May still get a vote in this one. Who knows? I don't yeah. know where you're going yeah. here. I don't know where I'm going yet until we start talking about mm-hmm. talking this out and like being really therapeutic about these yeah. movies. <laughs> I was thinking the other day how much Fight Club and Sneakers have in common. Really? Which is to say not much, except that the villain or the main plan is to make everyone equal. Mm-hmm. Very much like The Incredibles and Syndrome, uh, where we're going to strip away all these financial records with this, these explosions, and then everyone will be on a level playing field. That's what Ben Kingsley's trying to do in Sneakers, mm-hmm. um, is basically take all the money from the rich people and distribute it among, amongst the poor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Fight Club. It doesn't... It doesn't impact me today the way it did in 1999 but in 1999 it felt like i was watching gospel it felt like i was being awakened when Mm -hmm. i watched this movie right there was an angst that this tied into that we weren't aware of until the movie came along. yeah and people started making their own fight clubs because they took the message of the movie the opposite way the way you take a movie like this and chuck polinick the writer you did tap into that so-called like bro white angst, yeah. I guess, you know, and which was popular in music, you know, with the new metal and stuff mm-hmm. like that, too. But w- when it comes down to it, they were pipsqueaks, you know, at the beginning. They were they were yeah. weenie guys. They were they weren't like these they weren't macho in the first place. That was the whole point of it, you yeah. know, and no better representation of that is when they're on the bus and they're just like, you know, they're talking amongst themselves or to himself. And then some guy comes by and just like, you know, shoulders them and everything just pushes them out of the way. And they don't even do anything. They yeah. they've, they've been fighting this whole movie, and they're just like, eh, all right. yeah. Well, you can see it in the in the first fight in the parking lot when he's like, "You hit me in the ear!" Like <laughs> nobody knows what they're doing, right? Like he looks like an awkward little punk. Yeah. Um. It of course has uh, one of the all time reveals in a in a movie. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, sort of capping off what the '90s. You sort of got to expect this type of thing, but I don't think I was expecting this in Fight Club. I was just not prepared for that reveal you know they did it perfectly they did it it absolutely perfectly because they kind of cheat but it's also uh it's i mean it's not one of those things where you're like oh well because they cheated it's terrible or whatever it's 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 perfectly fine and and it and it it you're just ill prepared for it by the time it gets there and it's like uh wow now it makes me reconsider i have to see this movie again Because, and now i got to look at Edward Norton's character a completely different way. The reveal, the way they do the reveal, too, is fantastic yeah. as well. Fincher talking, you know, the beginning of it where Brad Pitt is doing his little his little speech or whatever while Edward Norton's, like, in the bed and everything, and he's just in shadow saying all that stuff. And then Norton is sort of propelled to look at all these cities that he's apparently got, 
you know, airline tickets for and mm-hmm. everything. And everybody's just kind of acts very strangely around him. Um, but yeah, this is a, it, it, it goes to, I guess it kind of shows you why certain cults or whatever are, are attractive to a certain group of people because it, it, it shows like, well, we, if we just think about things in a different way and, you know, this fighting isn't about, you know, beating each other up. It's about liberation and mm. all this type of stuff. Yeah. You know, it just goes to show how people can be kind of led into these type of well, things. Well, and not even really understanding what they're buying into. Right. Because right? you have that whole Robert Paulson scene. <laughs> they don't get it at all. No. They're like, oh, I see. In, in life, we have no <laughs> yeah. name, but in death, we have a name. And, and Ed Norton's just standing there like, That's, this is not what I'm preaching <laughs> well, to you. Well, really, honestly, it goes to show how once you start one thing it becomes out of your control after a while where you know they people just start inventing their own rules people start saying well this is the way it is and so they just start they just start making their own stuff up. Edward Norton doesn't even know what they're doing half the right, time. Right, Like they're b- burning smiley faces yeah. on the building and all that. So it's like, and, he, and every time he's like, "What? who did this? Why did you do this? They're like, you told us not to say anything. <laughs> or they, you know, we're, we're, we're told not to say anything, you know? And so he's just, he goes through this weird cycle all the way through. But he, you know, it's just, oh man, it's another movie of, all possibilities and and stuff like that. It's really well done. Oh man, I mean, there's so many individual scenes in there about like him and Helen Bonham Carter and everything. All the self help groups and all that stuff. Meatloaf turning mm. in a terrific performance. And yeah, you, you just think about kind of where it ends up. But to get there, it's just awesome. I love it. It has it has a lot of great lines in it. Helen Bonham Carter has that one where she's like, "I haven't been fucked like that since grade school." <laughs> And, Which apparently took her several lines to well, get to. <laughs> she she was she's from the UK. She didn't know what grade school meant. Oh. And and then she was later told, oh, that's like, you know, early years of your school, you know, school life or whatever. Like you're in third or fourth grade. Uh she didn't know that. It's it was picked over the one that they also had, which was I want to have your abortion. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. <laughs> It has so much like darkness to it, and of course, you know, Norton beating himself up in the in the office yeah. and all that. That's the thing. There's a lot of this going on in '99. This whole like, uh, yeah. like get over it, get it over on your boss type stuff. In Fight Club, it happens. In American Beauty, it happens. You guys want to talk about American Beauty? I want to yeah. talk about American, American Beauty. Beauty. Best Picture of 1999. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have no problem with that. It's a great movie. It's really, really well done. Uh, I'm still, uh, I'm still way behind on that bag being the most beautiful thing that guy's ever <laughs> shot. I guess you can, I guess you can see that if you really want to. If you're uh, really high. If you're really high. Yeah. But uh, well, other than that, especially considering, doesn't he later shoot his girlfriend naked in the window? Uh huh. Yeah, well, yeah. the bag is no longer the most beautiful thing you shot at that point, right? Yeah, but he probably still thinks that bag is the most beautiful thing he shot. Even because he, even in that scene, his, his camera cuts just to her face. You're right, and it's like it's not about the nudity, man. <laughs> it's about the bag. It's about the bag. He's a weird motherfucker. That character. He is He's one of the weirdest in film, and of course, you can see why he would get that way when you start to slowly see his father. Yes, and the kind of life this kid must have grown up with. 
the balls it takes to sell the kind of drugs, the high-end drugs, mm-hmm. out of your bedroom. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when yeah. your dad is that dad, right? the balls on this kid I know, no almost kidding. wants to get caught, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is Kevin Spacey, in my opinion, at his best. Mm-hmm. Um, he needs to anchor this movie, even though most of the, the biggest character arcs take place in other characters. Like, his character arc is basically... I should love my daughter more and be a nicer guy, but he's there up two thirds of the way through the film. Yeah, he's quite. Right? Yeah. He's still got plenty of movie to go. It's Chris Cooper's arc, and it's Annette Benning's arc, yeah. and it's the daughter and Wes Bentley's arc, uh, and so it's this world all moving all around him. Uh, also famous for one of the creepiest scenes with nudity ever. Yep. with Mina Savari. Yep, uh, when when. I truly believe, oh, fuck, he's going to go through with this. You've done a good job on that scene. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I love that the movie redeems itself by not letting him go through with yeah, it. But, but for a few yeah. minutes there, that's really awkward. Really only because she says she's never done this before. Right. And it's uh, like, yeah, it's just like if she was a slut, I'd have done it. But, yeah. you know, but <laughs> now that she's a virgin, okay, I shouldn't do this. Uh, yeah, you're right. And they make that. what's weird about that scene, though, is they don't. Even though you're saying that, that, you know, you're like, oh, my God, is he really going to go through with this? I'm I'm more thinking, like, isn't his daughter upstairs? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. they're there. in the living room. <laughs> um, but, like, uh, they, I don't know if the movie passes much judgment on him for that. It, it, no, he it, gets it, he gets almost redemptive like, afterwards because they're sitting in the kitchen. They're just kind of yeah, like. Yeah, it looks like he's just kind of like, you know, like, even if he was allowed to go through with it they would have just made that a tender love scene mm-hmm. and just moved on. Yeah. Like, all right, well, you know, that's what happens. It's life, you know? Um, but, uh, but yeah, this is a, uh, it's just, just, I don't, I think the script by Alan Ball, they barely changed anything out of it. It was like basically whatever was in there, they shot and they made it in the movie. It mm. was hardly, the only thing that they changed was that there was a big trial at the end because obviously the West Bentley character is known to have some sort of violent tendencies and all that. So there was like a trial where like everybody's getting asked questions at the end about Kevin Spacey. They had the, they just cut that out, and that's for the movie's betterment, obviously. Because <laughs> yeah. that, that movie, if you just stick a trial at the end oh of it, would have been awful. Yeah, would have been terrible. But uh, yeah, I think you're right. Kevin Spacey might be the best he's ever been in this. Yeah, I mean he's great in everything, but this role was basically written for. Oh, him. start to yeah. finish, he's he's terrific. Is this movie underrated? No, it's probably slightly overrated. Mm, if you ask me, yeah, it could be. I I, <sighs> I feel like people came out of it thinking it was revelatory. And and I don't really feel like it's that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like there's anything that movie showed me about humanity that I didn't already know. Uh, I didn't leave there with like deep conversations and thoughts. But it's so solid. It's such a great story. Um, so I think it's an A. But I, it's almost basically this movie is the Beatles for me. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Overrated, but still probably one of the best. Right. Yeah. 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 I, I see what you're asking here because there are a lot of people who don't like American Beauty, and I think a lot of it, it comes from the pretentiousness that we talked about. Mm-hmm. You know, there even though there's some really smart and I mean the Kevin Spacey scene in the dining room is <laughs> top shelf all the way. <laughs> Um, there's a lot of great dialogue in it, a lot of great lines and everything. I think a lot of people focus in on that bag scene, man, and they're just yeah, like, what a so. what yeah. a weird arty movie that is. Even though most of it is just your normal everyday kind of like a drama film mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, but yeah, I it it 
it I guess it depends on what circle you're in. Mm-hmm. I think it may be properly rated. Yeah, probably so. Also one of the best scores of, yeah. of oh, that it's got decade a fantastic too. Yeah. Which Whoever did the score, I'm, I'm blanking on who it, who it was, but also did the Six Feet Under it was, um, uh, score. It was Thomas Newman. Thomas yeah, Newman, Thomas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So percussive and everything is awesome. Yeah. Um. Okay. We talked about Mina Savari in American Beauty. Let's talk about her in American Pie, mm-hmm. which also came out in 1999 and uh, it sort of got that R-rated, raunchy, uh, Porky's-type comedy back into the fray for good or ill and everything it has a a huge cast i don't know if anybody from this really got big after this like tara reed was like uh thomas ian nicholas was never i mean you know he has rookie of the year and he has this Mm. i guess it was uh what's his name stifler he's the biggest star to come out of this movie yeah sean william scott he's had the biggest career since i mean jason biggs had a little bit of a of a of a rise i guess jason biggs probably had ended up having the biggest one except for jennifer coolidge maybe yeah and jennifer coolidge she was already yeah she was was like saying eugene levy was the biggest star to come out of that movie (laughs) yeah i mean there's a lot of people in this that you you felt like and chris klein was in two big movies yeah yeah but like uh you know it it nobody really broke out but this was a good this was a good movie oh, yeah. i mean it was i don't know what do we think about the 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 pastry fucking scene here uh, <laughs> it's a it's funny that in this era in 99 this is what passed for that r-rated gross out humor because mm-hmm. it's pretty tame when yeah. you watch it next to something like the hangover or what ha- you know what i mean but this is a pretty harmless movie. I have a hard time saying negative stuff about at least the first well, one. Well, and it it even though it's one of those like I'm a virgin, I have to get have sex before I go to college movies. It is kind of conservative about the way it looks about, you mm-hmm. know, sex and stuff like that because it's more about, well, I really should care about the person yeah. before, you know. It doesn't get into that where it's like really Stifler's the only one who really just like, you know, I don't care one yeah, way or the yeah. other, but the main other ones. Um, <laughs> well, here's like, a movie that he uh, coined or popularized the phrase MILF. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. For better or worse. Yeah, right, right. Uh, which is now ubiquitous. It's probably in the goddamn dictionary. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I had never heard it before this movie. And is that John Cho? Yeah, that's yeah. John Cho. It's John Cho. John Cho. <laughs> what a career you've had, buddy. But yeah, your main guys, Eddie K. Thomas and, jo- and Jason Biggs and, and Chris Klein, are all like going through their like things and like. In the end, it's like, okay, yeah, we got to find some, a sweet girl to settle down with, and we'll have sex with them, too, yeah. but, you know, whatever. Which is funny, because one of them ends up being Allison Hannigan, yeah, and yeah. being the most perverted character yeah. in the oh, entire yeah. movie. Well, yeah, it's the, one of the best, uh, that's one of the, one of the best a great scenes. reveal, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but we don't need to go super, like, uh, a lot on American Pie. What's our next ones, guys? Well, let's just go right to the other Chris, Chris Klein. We've talked about election before. Yes. Our love for election should be well known, but uh, I also realized this was a pretty good year for Reese Witherspoon because mm-hmm. she did this in Cruel Intentions. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, but uh, I love Election. I just watched it again like a week ago. Uh, I don't know when this movie will lose its luster for me. Like it holds up a hundred percent. I'm still laughing all the way through, even when I know what's coming. It's so freaking quirky. I just I'm, I could watch Alexander Payne movies all day. That's what I was going to say. Really, any of his movies, Sideways, yeah. or Descendants, or things like that. If you enter into them, like you have no problem watching it all the way through. Yep. yep. He's just uh, 
election is fantastic. I don't know if we need to talk about it a ton. No, we've we don't. Crazy. We've we've gone into it in uh, a huge amount of detail. But I think what you're what you're you know what you're talking about there about how is it is it ever going to lose lose its luster? There's nothing particularly '90s or any era specific right. thing in that in that movie. And I'm I'm pretty sure, and I've listened to the the Alexander Payne commentary on this movie listening to him talk about this movie and everything it probably was uh intentional you know that he did he, he's there's some things that he talks about that like was like whoa whoa i never thought about that before you know and everything um but uh but yeah it's it's just there yeah there's nothing in there. there's not like that 90 soundtrack mm-hmm. and like you know all that and there's you know it's a it's a high school movie without all of that what we saw in high school movies mm-hmm. back then i just realized something <clears throat> 99 was the year of the word pussy yeah we just talked about american pie that shocking line she says mm-hmm. has that word uh-huh. in it. election has a very shocking yes line with that word <laughs> yes it, in it does black or what black and white came out this year uh, oh with yeah robert downey jr <laughs> yeah. and yeah. there's a song with that word in it that plays twice in this movie yeah. once in the opening scene yeah yeah and you see in like this girl make out in Central Park while you're hearing these background singers sing about if you want this if you want this you can have this um, I'm gonna keep that in the back of my mind as we go forth talking about other movies by it the was way definitely in the Green Mile too right well, I, I, South Park probably I said don't it. I, I guess we can briefly touch on black and white I mean it, I I don't remember much about it other than Ben Stiller's phone call at the very end of oh, the yeah. movie. He's just, he is saying some stuff that's going to get his ass killed. Yeah. And, but it's just, just the, just the daring nature of it. I'm just like laughing my ass off or whatever. But, uh, yeah, black and white was one of those movies where they're like, this is going to be awfully daring and controversial and everything. And you watch it, you're like, okay, it's, yeah, it has a couple moments of daring and controversial. Yeah. The rest of it's just Robert Downey Jr. trying to act like his character's not gay. Yeah. And Downey, <laughs> and Downey, uh, kisses Mike Tyson. That he was does. one of the big stories. And like- then Mike Tyson gives, uh, gangster advice to Rich. I just saw this movie like two days ago. Oh wow! Uh, the big uh, the gangster guy that's friends with the basketball player. Uh, like he asks Mike Tyson for advice, and Mike Tyson's standing there at the window. Well, you gotta you know, diversify. Like just say it's bullshit. Yeah. Like Tyson would, because this is uh, James Toback. It's almost all improv. Like yeah. he rarely has a script. Um, it's not a great movie, but the P word was in it prominently, and I think that might be a theme. So I wanted yeah, to mention it. Yeah, it might be. Uh, what else, guys? Uh, let's talk about The Iron Giant. Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, one of the movies that made me cry. Yeah. Not going to lie. Mm-hmm. The Superman bit got me at the end. Yeah. It's hard <laughs> not to. Fucking goosebumps at the very end when those pieces all over the world are blinking and they start. I'm getting them now. Yeah. You oh. saying that. Um, Iron Giant is one of the last great hand-drawn animated movies. Mm. We uh, We're about to enter into an era where... There's very few of those about to be made anymore. Um, uh, even Disney, who sort of tried to come back with that, with like Princess and the Frog and all that, went more uh, computer animation even after that. Um, but this is Brad Bird, who was mm. who was known mainly for The Simpsons before this. Yep. Uh, and he he makes basically what is E.T. It's E.T. Mm. basically. But uh, set in the 1950s and the and the Red Scare and all this other type Duck of stuff. And cover. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, with uh, with a great villain with Christopher McDonald. Oh, he's so good. Um, 
but uh but yeah this is uh this is just one of those movies that just yeah it uh it, it hits all the right notes fantastic voice cast harry connick jr jennifer aniston christopher mcdonald mm-hmm. uh john what's his name from frazier plays the general um, oh yeah uh john mahoney john mahoney uh i love my wife and i both love this movie but uh when the robot's hand is in the kitchen and the kid and the mom are at the dining table and he's supposed to be saying prayer. It's one of the most comical scenes of all time because he's he's trying to keep his coherent prayer to fool his mom, but he's also keeping an eye on the robot's hand and it like touches a pot on the stove and he's like in the middle of a prayer and he says, stop! <laughs> the devil! <laughs> and it, it's full of moments. That whole scene is full of those little moments. Uh, if you've never seen The Iron Giant, Stop now, go watch it, come <laughs> yeah, back. I, you will not regret it. It is a heart warmer. Yeah, Iron Giant is just one of the best animated movies ever made, and it did nothing at the box office. Yeah, it's gotten its acclaim afterwards. Yes. Number 78, $23 million it made oh, in wow. 1999. crime. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but at this point, we started seeing the sort of the, the, the shift, even though Tarzan came out this summer, too uh i mean i guess it wasn't very marketed marketed very well it just looked like a cheap ass cartoon to a lot of people it's Um, going for that aesthetic like it wants to look like an older cartoon mm -hmm. because it's going for that you know red scare era Mm -hmm. stuff um and that may have been part of it the look of of it may have made people think what is this a re-release of a 10 year old movie or something (laughs) yeah Um, it it that I think that was the main problem is that it looked too antiquated to most audiences, especially with Disney doing what they're doing. Their animation at this point is right. like, you know, even Tarzan, which I'm not a big, huge fan of, or, you know, every time they came out with a new movie, it looked dazzling. Yeah. Everything about the animation is like, Oh, that's stellar. And then of course yeah, Pixar also, you know, coming through here with stuff and they came out with toy story two this year mm-hmm. as well. That's another big one. Hmm. Should we talk about Toy Story 2? We probably sure. should. Hmm. Well, it's not the best Pixar movie. No. Not even the best Toy Story it's movie. not the best Toy Story yeah. movie. Yeah, I agree. I was talking last night with a friend, and he said, but it's better than the first one, right? And I was like, eh. I've always said two is better than one, three is better than two, but two and three are both unnecessary. Yeah. yeah that's, yeah, a good, that's, that's absolutely a good right. Yeah. I think Toy Story 2 gets way more credit than it normally does because of the Because She Loved Me song in yeah. the middle of it, oh. which is amazing. Yeah. But everything else around that is good. It's decent. It's mm-hmm. not It's not overwhelmingly amazing by any stretch. It's that part that gets a lot of people and they're like, well, what about that moment right there? Well, that moment doesn't make that movie the whole thing. You know, yeah. it doesn't make it better than the first Toy Story um but it is good and it's and yeah. it i mean and it was the third highest grossing film of this year uh it made 245 million dollars jesus um which today would be a bad opening oh weekend. <laughs> yeah <I know. laughs> yeah almost well tim allen had a pretty good year uh because he had toy story 2 but he also had galaxy quest uh-huh yeah uh, which is i remember now first of all 99 was the first year chris and i worked together in a theater this is the year we met um but we did not, there was a big hullabaloo between Regal Cinemas and the studio about Rush Hour. I think it was Rush yeah. Hour 2. Yeah, Rush Hour 2. Um, so Regal's did not carry that movie because the studio asked for, for a higher percentage of the box office than normal, and mm-hmm. Regal held their ground. So what we got was Galaxy Quest. Um, 
around, that's all we really had that was newish around that same time. Well, actually, no. This this we didn't get Galaxy Quest either. It was the same issue. It was the same issue. I'm we, talking out of my ass. We did we did get the sneak preview of Galaxy that's Quest. That's right. That's right. And then when it actually came out, we, did, we had to go to we, Carmike. Yeah, we had to go to Carmike. Well, and that was a year full of that. I mean, uh, Rush Hour Two was like that. Uh, Galaxy Quest, which uh, Galaxy Quest didn't do anything in theaters either. But no. Rush Hour Two did. That it was did. a that was a big hit to Regal not to have the that studio movie. won that fight. Uh, but Galaxy Quest, they you know that was a movie that didn't do anything. Uh, the other one was the Ninth Gate. We yeah. were talking about that briefly before. Uh, but but Galaxy Quest, a, a fantastic Star Trek spoof type of movie uh, that it respects Star Trek. It respects Star Trek characters and lore and yeah and, and fans and fans. Yeah. where it, it could e- it'd be easy to 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 st- toss aside the Justin Long character yeah. as just a nerdy dude, but he he turns out to be awesome by the end yeah. of this movie because of what the movie allows him to do. But uh, but Galaxy Quest is so funny. It's one of the best comedies we've seen in the last twenty years yeah. or so. It transcends Trek. You yeah. don't have to have ever seen Trek to find Galaxy Quest funny because Trek has become so mainstream that you get the parody jokes that they're telling in Galaxy Quest. I found out last night chatting with a friend. Uh, I sent him a list of twenty movies from nineteen ninety nine. I said, "Look how hard my day is going to be tomorrow," <laughs> and he said, "I've never seen Galaxy Quest." And oh I was no, like, shit. Mm, rat bastard! <laughs> you get on Netflix right now and watch it, and I'm going to do the same. Th- so I watched Galaxy Quest last night while my friend was watching it and chatting. With, of course, he loved it. Uh, this movie is so funny. Yeah, I can't even settle on one line I want to quote right now. Yeah, right. Like I love the part. Everything on the planet when they go for the spare beryllium sphere. Like, could they be the minus? Well, yeah, they're like four years old. Um, but when they're trying to come up with a, a signal and the, <laughs> the pilot guy's like, I'll do this with my hands. Caca, caca. <laughs> and like, what are you, an infant? We have these radios. <laughs> oh, my God. And then later on, of course, instead of using the radio, they came running down the, the hill going, caca, caca. <laughs> um, I'm so glad they, they found a way to get Alan Rickman in this movie. Oh, Ooh. God. He sells it yeah he sells it and he's they made they made a character befitting of an alan rickman because alan rickman wouldn't be in a movie like this right uh he, but that's his character is that he wouldn't be in a star trek yeah. type of show either um and and so alan rickman elevates this to a, a little bit more than your dumbass comedy but Almost everybody in this, you've got so many supporting characters that are likable. Tony Shalhoub, Sam Rockwell, Sigourney Weaver. Mm-hmm. I mean, these all the aliens, all the aliens, Missy Piles in there. There's a lot of like, just, I mean, everybody knows what they're doing in this, you mm-hmm. know, and the other guy, his name's Enrico. Some, I can't remember. The last he does name. have a weird name. He's got a, he's got a weird uh, Italian name. Well, and, uh, Dwight Trude is in this too. Is he? Rain yeah. Wilson. Rain Wilson? Yeah, he's one of the aliens in the limo. Oh, okay. Um, I forgot all about up. that. Yeah. yeah. I forgot all about that. But uh, you, you talk about, this is just a smart script with a lot of great cast, and um, it's enjoyable all the way throughout. Like, even even like the the funny special effects in this are, are, yeah. are good for what, they, what they're doing. Yeah. And there's also, it's also famous for that obviously changed fuck from <laughs> Sigourney Weaver, when she's down in the chompers, and she's like, fuck this! Like... 
course, the audio says, screw this, because yeah. I guess, I don't know, that, that one fuck would have given them an R rating or something. Yeah, or, but yeah. They didn't even try to use an angle from behind her for that line. It's like a close-up on her face. It <laughs> clearly says fuck. <laughs> uh, anyway. That's crazy. The director, Dean Parasot, mm-hmm. the, his other credits or are Dean Red Pariso, Pariso, maybe? or Red 2, Fun with Tick and Jane, and Home Fries. Yeah. Like, what an interesting career. Really yeah. caught lighting in a bottle there. Well, they're... They're going to make a television series based on this movie. I think it's Amazon Studios is going to do mm-hmm. it. Um, and from what I remember reading, they got some of the original behind-the-scenes people involved with this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if they do that, I'm on board because there's material there. You could go for a couple of seasons minimum mm-hmm. um, aping Star Trek and its various incarnations. Well, and just all the background stuff. I mean, you're talking about like going to conventions and stuff like that, which back in 1999, I don't think was was like a a big news thing like it is now San Diego Comic-Con and just Trek conventions and, Trek conventions were big, and but stuff just like regular that regular con- cons were not Yeah, I guess mm. Trek conventions were were pretty big back Cause then. Cuz they even had that SNL skit in the 80s yeah. with Shatner where he's like get out of your mother's basement or right, whatever. So right, I think right. the Trek conventions have been a thing for a while, but you're right. This was before Comic-Con, Wizard Con, Dragon Con was like mainstream. Yeah. Um but just you can have a whole bunch of stuff just on behind the scenes with stuff like this, you know, just uh their everyday lives with interacting with fans and stuff like that could fill up, you know, <laughs> lots of the episodes themselves, but yeah, uh, if you if you haven't already, we haven't even gotten, we haven't even scratched the surface of 1999 <laughs> yet, guys. Um, but already, we're telling you to watch like three or four of these movies if you haven't seen it. I mean, really, all the ones we've talked about, mm-hmm. except for like a couple of sides, uh, you should just go ahead and watch it. Um, okay, 1999 was also the year of the Blair Witch Project. Mm-hmm. Blair Witch, um, Blair. a phenomenon uh, that was one of the first uh online marketing uh movies yeah. ever uh i remember I, I there was a tape that was yeah. going around like the ring i got it from russell yeah yeah before I, the movie ever came out same here um i got a tape and it was like a director's cut because it was longer than the what came out in the theater or whatever uh, I don't know if they also intended to do that, like have a copy going around yeah. before the movie came out, but it worked great for people to come to watch the movie because there was a lot of buzz about it being good even before it came out. Now, whether it's good or not is, a is a I think, a huge debate. We were talking to Jylan last week about like how this is a divided yeah. movie among horror fans. Uh, you either love the fact that the scares come from your psyche, basically, like just hearing sounds off in the distance or thinking you may have heard something that wasn't really there. Uh, I think that's particularly effective. And the ending of it is amazing. Yes. Yes, that's it. This is how you do for me. And I realize that some people love gore and some people like, you know, <clears throat> you know, more cerebral stuff. This was absolutely terrifying to me. I think I, I watched it with you the first time yeah. that I, I watched it. Um, it was terrifying to me, like all the way through. Well, we got and it was all just my imagination. And I, I love that stuff. That That's what I would love to see more of. Yeah. This is a movie that I think would have played a lot better if it had never opened in theaters. Right. Because we got the, I got this tape from Russell. I'll go to my grave thinking this was part of their marketing plan. Mm-hmm. It had what looked like a homemade cover on this uh-huh. black clamshell v- VHS case. We had like eight people over to watch this thing. 
And every single one of them, except for like two of us, thought it was real. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, when you go buy a ticket in a theater and you go buy a popcorn and you go sit down, you will never be fooled into thinking what you're watching is actual documentary footage. Right, right. Because they would not release documentary footage like this. So you know you're in a movie and you begin to question. But when you're in a house and somebody gave you, hey, there's this underground tape that's been circling around and you watch it. Mm hmm. I mean, I'm not sexist, but every single one of the girls that was in our group of eight, like, was crying and screaming at the end. They yeah. thought it was real. <laughs> yeah. And that's the that's the way this movie plays. And and I suspected it wasn't, but I had just enough doubt that first viewing to be terrified by yeah. that ending. Well, I was talking about the online marketing. They had a website that you would go to, and it was laid out like it was a real crime type thing. Like, they would show, like, here are some photographs from the scene, and you'd see just a plain old photograph of a car sitting next to some woods, and um, and then, you know, they would they had stuff like their, their like, uh, their timelines. This mm -hmm. is what they did before they got out into the, into the woods and everything. So, that's where your, like, part of your doubt would go into, is when you, because back then, a website... Yeah. You were used to stuff just kind of telling you the truth yeah. a little bit. <laughs> this know? is way before the lost oceanic website, <laughs> web game. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. They almost kind of invented this. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, this wasn't the first of the found footage. It was the first to really hit big. The one that I know came out before this was called The Last Broadcast. There's another one, apparently, that I heard about recently that somebody brought up. Uh, but the last broadcast, I believe, came out the previous year. Mm. Uh, and I don't know if anybody's ever seen in this room has seen the last broadcast. Uh, it's about a guy who uh, is trying to solve the, the murders of the uh, the Jersey Devil. And it's kind of got that same kind of thing. He's he's going out into the woods. He's got his camera and everything. And and it's about these two guys who are on a public access television show who were friends and everything and then their ratings dipped i guess on a public access or whatever. <laughs> um <laughs> and uh they wanted to do something really big so their big thing was to go out and try to find the jersey devil and during the jersey devil thing that's when they are killed but there's this guy who's investigating it and everything and it has you know it's it's one of those movies it's worth checking out if you're a big horror fan and mm. everything it does have a it does have a satisfying ending and everything but I remember that after Blair Witch, I remember last broadcast before uh, because people were saying this wasn't the actual first one. But it was the first one to do the website mm -hmm. and the marketing the way it did. And uh, it, it hit huge. I do know we, we already talked about this in the movie theater stories. People vomiting because of the, uh, yeah. the yeah. motion. And everything. Tom Petty came to see that movie in Hollywood 2017. <laughs> he did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tom Petty. That was the yeah. That was the he used our bathroom, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I remember people coming out going, "This just." I mean, I remember this one guy coming up to me. He's like, "Man, this just isn't entertainment, man. This just isn't entertainment." <laughs> and he's like, "Well, just go to customer service and get a refund." Man. <laughs> You've only seen 20 minutes, so you're good. Uh, another big scare movie with a with a whammy ending this year is. Uh, M. Knight, arguably at the top yes. of this game. Uh, M. Knight's career has basically just been like downhill skiing, hasn't it? Like he started <laughs> out of. at the top, <laughs> the top, made a couple great movies, and has just slowly gone down ever since. Yeah. Uh, the Sixth Sense, yeah. uh, huge movie. Mm -hmm. Chris and I both famously spoiled before we saw it. Yes. He had the entire thing spoiled. Yep. I, 
I think it was a Friday or Saturday mm. night. I wasn't working. Came in to see the movie. Concession manager. See if you can guess the twist. <laughs> and of course, by 45 minutes in, my brain is looking for any possible. And I'm already called what's going on. Uh, still doesn't take away from the movie. I no. still walked out of that going, God damn, that was awesome. It's still a great movie. It's one of the first movies that I've ever felt compelled to watch again because I knew right away it would be a different experience to, mm -hmm. to be able to see how carefully, and he does it so carefully. You yeah. want to talk about Fight Club setting it up, uh, their twist ending. Uh, M. Night sets it up perfectly. If no one had said, see if you can guess the twist ending, <laughs> I would have been looking for something with the kid, Haley Joel Osment. Mm -hmm. I would have been looking with something with the mom. I would not have thought, I wonder if that psychiatrist is dead. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> fantastic movie. I don't know if I can say much negative about it at all. No, it's uh, it's a movie that even though there's a huge whammy ending to it, it doesn't feel like the movie was made for that ending. Right. And there's a difference, I feel like. I see a lot of movies that uh, where you're watching it and it's boring as hell all the way through it just so that they can do a whammy ending and m night is uh guilty of that himself because <laughs> yeah, definitely. he did the village which did that same did that thing where it's like well i'm known for the surprise ending now so let's make a whole movie surrounded by that if the sixth sense didn't have a surprise ending it would still be good i agree and that's why it's i think that's why it's a great movie is because even if you even if it was he was bruce willis is alive if he found a way to like reconcile with his wife by the end of it, right. you would be like, oh, okay, that's a, that's a good solid movie. Yeah, and you but, still have the whole pathology with the kid and everything. Yeah, that's going on. yeah, and so so yeah, you have all that, and then it just yeah it hits you with a left hook <laughs> uh, because it's just it and and it's a an ending that I've seen maybe twenty or thirty times now. Uh, and, and it goes to show, even if the surprise has been ruined for you, or you know it, or whatever, you can still watch this movie over and over. But every time I see that ending, another goosebump kind kind of thing, yeah. where it's just the way he's done it and everything is is all top notch. Yeah, I actually got to see it non spoiled. I was a, awesome. I was a virgin, and yeah, I had no clue. And it it was there was an audible gasp and, yeah. on our row and everything, and it was great. And I'm like you, like I, I think I went back and watched it like the next week. And like you said, like every time I watch it, you still get that newness, that freshness. And it's it, it's really well done. I think it's worth pointing out that M. Night, despite even if you're looking at his entire track record, boy, is he good with kids. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Like he pulls solid. Look at Unbreakable. Yeah. Even the kids in Signs. Um, he's so great with child actors. Jalen Smith. Well, in his first movie before <laughs> The Sixth Sense. <laughs> the fuck? Did you say Jalen Smith? <laughs> Jaden Smith? Jaden Smith. God damn it. <laughs> he fucked it up. He got his name wrong. <laughs> Everybody knows what you mean. Plus, it would have been funny if you just said Will. <laughs> like Will Smith is the child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, all right, I lost what I was talking about because Barrett's an asshole. Yeah, Maybe we should just hard left turn and talk about Three Kings for a minute. Yeah, uh, yeah. One of my very favorite movies. Uh-huh. Um, I mentioned it before. Um talking about character arcs when we did that podcast because Clooney goes from all out selfish to all out selfless by the end. I was talking about this movie last night with the same friend who had never seen Galaxy Quest. He loves this movie. And, and I was talking about how accurate I think it probably is for what those soldiers in that era, right? The war's over, but you can't go home yet. 
They were probably bored. They were probably bitter and pissed off. And you don't really hate them for going after that gold in the beginning. Right? Yeah. They're mm-hmm. not painted as villains for that. It's selfish, but you can kind of understand Because it. it's more like, fuck Saddam Hussein. Exactly. You know, that type of thing. And so then they stumble into the situation where they either have to ignore what's happening or try and help some people save their lives. Uh, I love this movie. By the end of it, it's so powerful. And it starts out almost could be a comedy. Right, yeah, like yeah, just yeah, go yeah. wait outside by the door so Chief can translate my Iraqi ass map. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you've got Mark Wahlberg, you've got Ice Cube, you've got uh, George Clooney, you've got uh, Spike Jones. Spike Jones. Um, what do you guys think about this movie? I love it. I love it. The characters themselves. You mentioned the the arcs and everything, but the way that they interact, the way that they get along, and they do. I, I was thinking the same thing that it starts off as kind of uh, like a high concept comedy, yeah, and then it really just veers, but it, it doesn't do it. Sharply, it just kind of veers into this other narrative. By the and, time Mark Wahlberg's getting tortured, you know this is not a comedy. <laughs> yeah, and that's David and that O. Russell, scene, I guess, doing really. You know, you can stuff. be menacing by being menacing, or you can be menacing by being really nice. Mm-hmm. Like that interrogator guy who keeps saying, Mame man, Mame man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have my man? Are you what? Uh, he's so nice, but everything he's doing is so mean. Mm. Uh, God, I love this. There, I want to watch this there movie There is right now. plenty of comedy in this, though. I mean, it, it does have a lot of great scenes in it, like uh, when Spike Jones is thinking about the stuff that he did back at, you know, when they ask him what he does back in the States and, yeah. and, and, and everything, he's like, I actually didn't really do much, sir, or whatever. But like, um, but like, uh, it's, it's got that scene where Clooney's trying to get the car from the guy and he's like, you know, many nations holding <laughs> hands together yeah. and all this other type of stuff. And it's like one of those big rousing, you know, yeah, he's going to talk him into that. And by the end of it, the guy's like, cannot have car. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and it's got, a, it's, it's, it's got a lot of comedy in it, but you're right. Once the guy like, uh, kidnaps Wahlberg and pours oil down his mouth and, all that, and and then they get into the actual refugee situation yeah. at the at the end of it. It's got got a good dramatic weight to it too. David O. Russell, who had just done flirting with disaster and <laughs> spanking the monkey and stuff like that, this was like a a huge step forward yeah. for him. But it also, unfortunately, is the first of many uh, David O. Russell incidents <laughs> that we would hear about, and Clooney and him nearly like killed each other yeah. in this movie yeah uh because he was a uh, berating like a a light a lights guy or something like he likes technician. to berate people yeah and Clooney was like look i can't let you keep doing this over and over and over again and they almost like got into a real like in the movie type yeah. fight in this or whatever and then later on we're gonna hear this constantly from david o russell he's another one of those guys that when you talk about his movies, they're like great movies, but man, the person behind it could be a total piece of shit for all we know. Yeah. Uh, but we don't really, we don't really know, but I know that happens a lot with him. I have never been on set. Yeah. But there are stories of from at least four movies. Yes. With multiple citations. And even Jennifer Lawrence has basically admitted He's an asshole, but she just likes working with him, and that's his process. Well, you have, yeah. you have that tape she... with Lily Tomlin, yeah. too, right? Well, yeah, yeah. That, there's actual video footage of <laughs> yeah. him doing it. Yeah. Uh, and I Heart Huckabees. All right, what else? 99. Well, you said we, we talked about Spike Jones, so we're going to have to do Being oh. John Malkovich here. What a good year he had. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he directs a movie that Charlie Kaufman writes. So Charlie Kaufman was probably only really well, really known, if at all, for that Get a Life TV show. Yeah. Chris, <laughs> Chris Elliott. Elliott. <laughs> uh, but it just goes to show how oddball that guy, but he can write oddball in a great, yeah. wonderful way. Uh, Being John Malkovich is one of the most original films that you'll ever watch. It still holds up today, I believe. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, this is great stuff from John Cusack and Catherine Keener and Cameron Diaz, Cameron Diaz, who looks like they put, they just threw a rat's nest on her. How do you make Cameron Diaz like homely? Everyone in this movie looks awful. Yeah. (laughs) Like Cusack, uh, Keener, they all are like, even Malkovich looks looks rough at times. I'm just like, I feel like there was an edict when they set out. Spike (laughs) Jones says, no one is going to be attractive in this movie. No one. Yeah. (laughs) They have, I mean. There's so many things like the elevator goes to that. What is it? The seven and a half floor Mm. or something like that. And then like, you know, they have to stop the elevator. Like this is just normal over when they're walking through the hallway. Yeah. And there, and it just happens. This office just happens to be a portal into John Malkovich's mind. And how do you in the world do you sell that? It's just. How do you sell it to John Malkovich? Exactly. Who get who's in this movie? (laughs) Like, I mean, you all you have to feel like if they couldn't have gotten him, this movie doesn't get made. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, and like, and oh man, when it it finally showed when he's in it, it's ah, just there's so many possibilities that they throw in with the on this movie, and they're like they do every one of them that you would think about, like Malkovich going through his own portal, and all (laughs) of a sudden, what happens when a man goes through his own portal? And it has a wonderful scene for that. Um, but it just, I mean, it's, oh my God, how, how incredibly original this mm. movie is and how well they pulled it off. I, John and, Malkovich's second career as a puppeteer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew he had this talent yeah, inside of him? Yeah. <laughs> and there's that great, like, uh, that, that workers orientation video that they have mm. to watch where it's like this total bullshit history of the building and everything where the guy like makes this like little person, his wife and all that. <laughs> and, and he makes the floor because the, uh, he needs to have a floor his wife can get on to and all those i mean there's so many like little fun things in that but i just i just walking around in malkovich's head and him like like seeing that perspective of yeah. him going around and and uh and and living the life that he does and everything oh my god it's so good yeah go out and watch it what else uh how about office space yeah office space is one of the most enduring comedies really of our generation it did nothing though yeah nope. nobody saw that that's movie. a that is actually a um something that you're gonna see that's a characteristic of a lot of these movies when you look at the box office in 1999 it's filled with a lot of the shitty movies yeah. that came out in 1999 um but yeah office space did zero mm. even though it had mike judge who was still popular from beavis and butthead at the time but yeah this is just uh, i mean straight up funny comedy oh yeah yeah no it's great and it's got so many quotable lines to it it's got the fabulous use of the ghetto boys yes and damn it feels good to be a gangster yeah with the whitest people well aside from the uh the indian guy but the other people (laughs) are super white jennifer aniston you know it's funny i i love office space it's one Uh, it's one of my favorite comedies it might be one of the most cynical comedies i've ever watched absolutely like usually comedies like you just kind of like let it go or whatever 
but there's the part in there where they where they where he starts dating Jennifer Aniston and all of his friends like one of the friends is like well Lumberg fucked her yeah and and he of course because they call their boss Lumberg <laughs> thinks that that's the boss that he's talking about but then later on they find out oh there's another Lumberg that they apparently also called Lumberg <laughs> but but besides that it leads to some of the funniest shit in the movie yeah because it's you know gary cole like you know the fan that sequence where he's like banging her and everything like, yeah i'm gonna need you to <laughs> oh, oh peter yeah. oh hey hey peter, peter. <laughs> what's happening um, like a case of the mondays and like i mean there's just so many quotable lines in here. yeah um but uh but yeah it's a really funny comedy and, it, and of course it, yeah it's definitely endured for for many years because off working in a cubicle is so relatable to mm-hmm. so many people not to me but uh <laughs> but i know many people who had to work in cubicles all their lives and it's got to be maddening yeah and it's uh and, and and you know it's fun little look at that so uh what else guys one of my favorite movies of all time is eyes wide shut yes oh and we talked about this a lot but this is a lot of people hated this movie when it first came out and you read more about it and there there was like a real persistent hate and it wasn't just because it wasn't what they expected about having this kind of like art porn film with uh, Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise it's that it, it just wasn't what anybody expected yeah and man it just keeps getting better and better and better every time i watch it and it, it, which is what happens with a lot of kubrick movies i uh i read a thing about uh eyes wide shut recently that i think was written around the the year that it came out it came out in 99 um that a lot of critics expectations are what led to their bad reviews of this movie there were so many wrong information, you know, news bits coming out about this movie. Like Harvey Keitel got so turned on in one scene, <laughs> they had to they had to break him off the movie because he's gotten turned on or whatever. And it's like, yeah, you can see how he got real turned on in this <laughs> in this movie that's really not about that. Um, but like, uh, but mainly, I think there was a lot of people who couldn't finish the movie because it took forever to make it because kubrick mm-hmm. was like you know he was taking take 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 take. it was you know the the take count on this is you know it it's one of the highest of all time that mm-hmm. people and it's probably wrong people probably are remembering it wrong yeah. but it's still more than usual and um but yeah it's one of the most unusual movies that you'll see it's beautiful in, in and many ways gorgeous, yeah um and it's and it you know, if you can go in there without thinking it's going to be porn, then I think you can enjoy the movie for what it is. Yeah, and we've we've talked about it a bunch, but I just wanted to put it out there as just being really a strong contender. Strangely enough, I was reading today that Tom Cruise was on the set of Eyes Wide Shut when he got the script for Magnolia mm-hmm. and met P.T. Anderson. They came out and everything and we're going through it and he was reluctant to do this character at the beginning, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I w- wouldn't you be? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the shit tom cruise says in this movie oh my god if i was that actor that would haunt me forever even he, though i know i'm playing a character like yeah. he's awful he had to go there though yeah. you know and and god bless him i mean he went all the way there yeah he did yeah. hey um this is uh yeah well and he uh studied uh pickup artists yeah. and stuff like that uh, at the time and um and made this character out of it and 
this is this is Tom Cruise's best performance of all time in Magnolia for me. Mm. I, I yeah, mean, it's got to be it's got to be up there. It it takes him through so many different things. He's a he's an absolute one of the worst human beings, but then his his sort of his break as he's talking to the reporter and then has to go and see his dad and everything finally breaks it down breaks his character down into a whole bunch of other different parts mm-hmm. um and really this is just one of the biggest amazing casts ever assembled mm-hmm. too julianne moore is amazing in this although a little bit over the top for me in in some things but that's kind of what she's going for mm-hmm. um philip seymour hoffman is fantastic in it um john c Riley. john c Riley is great in it uh so i i just it's just one of those movies like uh philip baker hall mm-hmm. and the whole game show thing william and, h macy yeah william h macy like kid donnie smith yeah yeah <laughs> the john c Riley's character is fun to watch man he's just it, he's this he's this happy-go-lucky guy yeah. and he gets in all these bad situations <laughs> you know like uh you know he's he's tr- he's he's way out of his depth investigating murders and yeah. stuff like that and most of his most of his like going to apartments and stuff is you know is just you know telling people to keep their music down and stuff <laughs> like that and and uh but he falls in love with the melora walters character who is as fucked up as possible oh yeah mainly because of her dad which is a big theme in this uh-huh. movie about dads fucking up their kids yep. uh it it has a lot i mean it and it it starts off with that big thing with uh with ricky jay talking about the the coincidences yeah. that happen and everything and basically saying these things do happen even though you may not think that this story could possibly happen and there's too many coincidences here's some things that have happened yeah. well and, and those stories are are probably bullshit but yeah <laughs> but there are stories that do have a lot of these weird coincidences and everything but it starts off so entertainingly like that where it talks about like the the parents that are fighting and the guy who the son who jumps out of the apartment building and the 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 sh- you know they shoot at the same time and kill the guy as he's falling in in the uh falling from the building the the one where the three thieves are are con- are congregating at a place that has their names at it you know all these little things but um but yeah magnolia is just is now that's a movie that's controversial for a lot of people too. A lot of people don't like that movie at mm. all. It's a little bit too long. It's got some a lot of pretentiousness in it. Yeah, um, it has a weird ending. Yeah, it has a very <laughs> weird ending. Um, uh, and I and I'm pretty sure Kevin Smith came out and said something about this movie. Like that was like a a little war that happened oh, yeah. back in '99. Yeah. He even had that thing in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back where one of the, the uh, internet commenters is named Magnolia Fan or whatever. <laughs> 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 that. Yeah, the, oh, the big crazy. kick some ass thing at the end of that is like Magnolia Fan number seventy or whatever. Well, uh, I will use uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman as a transition here, and we'll talk about talented Mr. Ripley yeah. for a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a movie I missed. Uh, I didn't see it in the theater. Uh, I knew it was Oscar nominated out the ass. Mm -hmm. And then sometime in the home video era, I caught it. And boy, was I regretting not having watched it sooner. Yeah. This is one of those movies that, um, much like Alexander Payne's stuff, although the tone is completely different. If I 
flip past this movie, I can get sucked into it in about five seconds. Yeah. Uh, there are so many strong performances here. I don't think Damon gets nearly enough credit for how nuanced he is in this movie. Oh, it's great. Uh, Jude Law is outstanding. Uh, but Philip Seymour Hoffman, who has the fewest scenes of the three of them, really steals the show for me. He's the only guy that's on to Thomas Ripley and knows what's going on. Yeah. He will pay for it eventually. Mm. Um but of course, we've used the dummy, dummy, dummy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, many times. Um, but I love this movie. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but it, it it's it's like watching a criminal mastermind come to life. I couldn't uh, have had a better experience because I watched this. Uh, it opened on a Christmas day, I believe, um, and I was at the theater, and it was. I think we had closed early for Christmas Eve or whatever, so it was like nine o'clock. Nobody in the theater at all watch Townsend Mr. Ripley perfect experience for me um and uh yeah it's it's crazy how you root for this guy and then are suddenly thrust into not rooting for this guy yeah. you want him to get caught actually maybe maybe I'm missing something there but it feels like He's he's broken your trust over the course of this movie. Yeah, yeah, you definitely fall out of love like, with him. You're fine with the like him being somebody else. Yeah, uh, but you're not fine with like him like starting to kill people. Yeah, <laughs> well, it all it all breaks right there on the boat with Jude Law, yeah. right? Because up until then, he's got moments of creepiness and awkwardness and weirdness, but it's not a crime movie at that point, point. Mm -hmm. and it just turns on a dime yeah. like that. And of course, once he has killed him, he has no choice but to do most of what follows. And, mm -hmm. and what I love is, I feel like much in the way born plays out where you feel like he's doing it automatically mm. like when he takes that gun in the beginning of the first born and breaks it uh -huh. apart in front of the cops um i feel like this innate criminal mastermind was in thomas ripley but he had to kill somebody for it to come out mm -hmm. and everything that happens is out of his control but he reacts in the perfect way all along the way and I hate the ending. I love it, but I hate it because he's finally, okay, I'm going to be gay. I'm going to be with this guy. I'm mm. finally going to be happy. Oh, there's Meredith. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He decides to kill the guy he loves yeah. instead of killing Meredith yeah. for, for reasons that I think sort of make sense in terms of covering his own tracks and whatnot. Um, but he's just so adept at dealing with whatever comes at him. And, of course, there's several books about this character. I think Malkovich played the character... Ripley's game or something yeah, like I that. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. So uh, I, I have to believe he, this fictional character has an entire life of killing people and getting away with it. Uh, but I love this movie. Oh. Yeah, I do too. It's just, it, and it, and it, in another year, it probably is one of the best of that year. Yeah. It's just, it's one of those type of movies. And, and you're right. Damon doesn't get very much credit for this. Yeah. He didn't get nominated for this, even though Jude Law did. Yeah. And Jude Law has deserved a nomination for this, but I feel like Damon is still on this kind of like uh, that whatever that downhill is after you have that big, huge like Goodwill Hunting yeah. and Saving Private Ryan and all that. We're still not quite sure he's a great actor yet because we've seen, you know, this and we think this is kind of a I don't know, maybe it's too showy of a role or something like I don't yeah, know. I mean, because he was playing a kid from like his hometown in Goodwill Hunting and then Saving Private Ryan didn't have a whole lot to chew on. Yeah. And this was, in my mind, kind of his follow up to Goodwill Hunting. And I thought. The characters really could not be more different. I mean, oh, yeah. it was. Re I mean, like you were saying the awkwardness in this character and just kind of the the weird squirminess he has, particularly at the beginning, is yeah. really really cool to me. I when think Jude Law catches him singing and trying on his clothes, 
it's like that's the real Thomas Ripley for just a, a flash, uh-huh. right? Because so much of what he does in this movie is a mask or an act or what have you. Uh, but I can't help but squirm when I see that scene because mm-hmm. I, I've done awkward, stupid shit when I think I'm by myself, but not quite like like you can tell right there and then he kind of wants to be this guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, we probably talked about it too much. What yeah. else? Well, you mentioned Kevin Smith uh, with controversial comments about Magnolia. But he had a controversial movie. Yes, too. he did. Uh, Dogma came out in mm-hmm. in '99, and probably it's tipped way in the favor of people not liking it. Mm. I think this is an underseen and underrated movie overall. Man, I this is one of my least favorite of his. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I <laughs> I even back then uh you know, I I watched this and like and I and I like Kevin Smith a lot. This movie I think it was way out of his depth to make this one. Yeah. Um, well, the religion stuff is poorly done. Yeah. <laughs> I know that's the whole basis for this, but the characterizations and, and all that stuff and, you know, the story itself overall, like it works for me. I think Ben Affleck and Matt Damon did a great job as the, they uh, might be the, the best parts of this movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. their whole like shtick of like going through and he's the, the angel of vengeance or something like mm-hmm. that. Just kills everybody. Well, and they somehow got Alan Rickman in this movie, yeah, too. Alan yeah. Rickman was really trying to branch out in yeah. this year, man. Yeah. He, he's uh, he's in this, uh, like, and it's sort of the, and they're still trying to shoehorn all this Jay and Silent Bob, yeah. you know, like, continuing story mm-hmm. into this. And this is more of their vehicle than than normal and everything but a huge cast in this and and there are funny moments in yeah it. But man i every time i have tried to pop this in several times and it's just i uh, just there's if he, yeah if he if he had shot like 25 percent lower mm-hmm. on yeah on the high mind and on the concept mm-hmm. i think it would have been really well received but i right. think he really just kind of swung for the fences and not all of it works but i still think it's it's a good movie it's not a great movie at all but yeah, it's, yeah. i think it's a good movie. and it's definitely got its fans also coming out in 99 um let's talk about some big ones austin powers the spy who shagged me yep um the sequel to Austin Powers, which uh, made way more money than the original did, because the original sort of uh, got its following on home video and everything. Um, at, comedy sequels are tricky, uh, and this movie's got some funny things in it too. But it's just it, you've <laughs> lost some magic when you start doing it every time. You know, it starts getting old after yeah. a while, and you start they start, and especially with Goldmember, like everything yeah. is just like the same and the same or whatever. Um, but this was a tremendously huge hit. Yeah. I mean, bonkers opening sequence. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That yeah. Insane opening sequence. But this sort of, I mean, both the, I mean, this is one of those movies that I, I was not watching Saturday night live at the time, but Will Ferrell yeah. has, you know, as Mustafa yeah. shows up in this and this is he's got some of the best scenes awesome. in this and everything. It's actually a pretty funny movie. Uh-huh. I don't want to downgrade it. Like it's like, no, nah, we shouldn't even really talk yeah. about it. But what I like about he- how they do this is that the Heather Graham character flips it on its head. Yeah. And yeah. She's yeah. not just that, you know, secret agent that's all virginal and everything. And you know, she really gets in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she, I mean, she sleeps with fat bastard. Yeah. To, yeah. Uh, of course, fat bastard is the, I guess the continuation of his Shrek accent. Yeah. Uh, I don't yeah. know. That dude is, I mean, from SNL to So I Married an Axe Murder to Shrek to this, like, he's always got to do something Scottish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I guess maybe that's part of his real heritage and that's where that comes yeah. from. But it'd be nice to have, like, either no accent or a different accent. <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, 
but yeah, I mean, it, it's funny and I enjoyed it. And it, but man, good God, that Lenny Kravitz, American Woman. Oh my God, I I may have heard this song literally ten thousand times, and it feels like you're getting kicked in the nuts every time you hear it. Yeah, I would I would go in and help the ushers with this movie, clean it up and everything, and we'd hear the song, and then it would the the song the movie would end because you know there's a lot of people in there and we're still cleaning. And the overhead music that came on had that on it. <laughs> and it was like, here we are. We're listening to it again. And then I'd hear it on the radio and then on music videos. It was everywhere. Yeah. Um, also, what else? Green Mile? Yeah, Green uh-huh. Mile. Green Mile is, uh, has a, a special frustrating place in my heart. Because the time that Green Mile came out, of course, we'd already had Shawshank, so there's a lot of expectations for this because it's a, you know Stephen King again and prison and Frank Darabont, period piece Darabont. Um, at this time in my life, I was sort of having this fling with a girl. Neither one of us were attached, but we'd get together every now and then and make out. So she came by the theater because I was going to get off at six, and to fill time from five or to six, she went into Green Mile. <laughs> and so I'm like, all right, I'm going to get to make out in an hour. Six o'clock rolls around. I go into Green Mile. She's gotten into the movie. <laughs> and now we have to stay until the movie's over. <laughs> and it's like three fucking hours long. Yeah. And I didn't get any that night. And I was very frustrated by that. <laughs> it's yeah. not a very stimulating movie. <laughs> no, it's not, not going to get you no. in the mood. But I didn't expect her to get like into the film and I have to see how this ends now. Yeah, it's making out in this is like Schindler's List almost. <laughs> Um, I was not planning to make out in the movie. She was just <laughs> sitting there until I got off. Yeah, my you just shift, wanted her. And then you we just wanted go to her, my house. Like, hey, we're done with the. Now that you, now that we're, I'm off at six. You get out of the movie. And, yeah, but only yeah. she wanted to stay and watch to the she end. She could have gone to see Austin Powers or something like that. I should have sent her into Muppets from Space. <laughs> That's Mo- like a 72 minute movie. Green Mile is definitely an emotional experience, though. Um, it's. Uh, I, I think I told this before during our movie theater thing. Like they were talking about how uh, we were, it was me and like a, a couple other projectionists were watching prints in different auditoriums. And, uh, and during the, the big ending with Michael Clark Duncan and everything where the, the big sad cry mm. ending and everything, uh, his print, because we had so much static at Hollywood 27, his print like fell off the platter oh, while geez. it was running so it was during that scene. Oh no! And he came in while I was watching my print, and he had tears in his eyes. <laughs> oh! And he was just like, he's like, "Could you like to watch the rest of the movie in here with you? Mine threw off the platter. I'll, <laughs> I'll clean it off. I'll clean it. I'll clean it up later. Okay." I'm like, "Yeah, sure, no problem." Um, oh my god! And uh, yeah, it's uh, you know, I mean, prison movies, you, it, it, they're hard to do, and Darebot somehow took two Stephen King novellas or whatever yeah green mile was like a yeah, w- yeah. was published in th- like each chapter or something mm. was like I, I think that's how it I was i think you're right it wasn't one big book until later right um but uh but yeah i mean it it, it you know it's it's one of those movies you know it's the, the the guy didn't do it but it has a oh my gosh it hits you right in the the chest by the end of mm-hmm. it when everybody has figured that out and everything uh, but yeah, emotional experience, a good Tom Hanks performance. Yeah, it's great. And I, I like the, some people may have been, you know, turned off by it, but I like the fantastical element of it, mm-hmm. you know, that just kind of comes out of nowhere. It's a straightforward prison drama. And then all of a sudden you've got this new eccentricity to kind of deal with, and it makes it 
more impactful at the end, I think. I believe that was shot in Nashville, too. Oh, really? Yeah, Green Mile. Um, yeah, because Tom Hanks came Tom to the Tom Hanks theater. came to the theater and saw Ronan, I think. Yeah. Uh, Bunch of Toms there. Oh, yeah. Tom Petty, Tom hmm. Hanks. Oh, yeah, all the Toms. Um, what else? Um, I think we should probably talk a little bit about Go. Yes. <laughs> uh, Doug Go. Lyman's follow-up. To swingers which unfortunately we didn't have much time we couldn't we didn't get into swingers in 1996 but i love swingers mm-hmm. uh it wasn't going to win 96 but of course the room we step aside for some of these movies we didn't we didn't get the swingers <laughs> okay anyway yes his his yeah um so go is sort of three stories right um intertwined to a certain degree katie holmes uh sarah Polly. Uh, who else? Jay, Jay Moore. Moore. Um, <clears throat> I, it's a really fun ride. I don't know if you guys have seen it or you. I know oh, you've yeah. seen yeah, it. I've seen it oh, I saw times. this while waiting in line for The Phantom Menace, actually. Okay. At your theater. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, this movie is basically adrenaline, right? Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Um, it. I guess it sort of has a little bit of a Pulp Fiction inspired yeah. feel. The way that the stories play out and how there's some crime elements here and there. I think my favorite is the Jay Moore yeah uh, scott what's his name scott Stylite, where they accidentally kill someone but then she's not dead <laughs> and they're both cheating on each other with the same guy and melissa mccarthy, melissa McCarthy is their shows roommate. Up in it. Yeah. yeah she's like oh my god there was one time you guys were like five minutes apart so funny um, um yeah how do you describe this movie i don't know it's it is it's basically like a bunch of kids who want to have as much fun as possible. Um, you have the guy who's going to Vegas. He's never been. He's going, he goes along with Tay Diggs and, and, uh, and a Breck and Meyer and mm. all these guys that go in the Vegas. He wants to go to Vegas. So he has to pawn off his shift to Sarah Polly. Yeah. And Sarah Polly is it, it, the guy who's going to Vegas is the drug dealer that the Jay Moore and Scott Wolf need to approach, but he's not there. So scared. So Polly becomes the drug dealer yeah. and it's just, it's got a lot, it's got that nice, like interconnected, uh, you know, it's, it's really the same. It's three different stories, but it's all happening at the same time. Right. right. Um, <laughs> Timothy Oliphant. That's, yeah. That's a drug Tim, yeah. He plays the most, like just exasperated drug dealer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, it's, well, there's damn the, it. yeah. There's the part where the the guy is talking. The the his name's Desmond Askew. He's talking to uh, Tay Diggs, and he's like, "He let me have his credit card. He's a great guy." And Tay Diggs is like, "Oh yeah, he's one of the nice drug dealers." <laughs> <laughs> um, man, yeah, I've seen Go a million times. It is. It's one of my favorites. Like, uh, you know, it's. It is a very 90s movie, though. Um, it, it has aged somewhat, but it is it's just a lot of fun. It's just a lot of fun. It's probably it's probably one of the most R-rated movies that you can watch, too, because it's got everything in it. It's not like it's not extreme amounts of everything, but it's got everything yeah. in it. Nudity, violence, drugs. Co- you know, drugs, <laughs> sex. Um, you know, it's on the, the thing where it's like R everything. Yeah, yeah. They might as well have just said everything on this. Although but. this is kind of cynical too, in that the whole chase sequence in Vegas happens because dude can't not touch a girl. Yeah, oh, right. Yeah. Oh, He's getting a lap dance. Yeah, and he literally <laughs> cannot control his yeah, hands. Right. Yeah, and he touches her. Yeah, that's pretty ridiculous. Oh yeah. Uh, but uh, 
a tremendous cast in this and it's uh it's just a fun movie another like i'd recommend it to go watch oh, it, yeah. you know oh, if, yeah. if you're old enough if you're old if you're uh, <laughs> over the age of 10 if you're yeah. out of grade school <laughs> yeah um but yeah i love it fantastic um talk about a movie that has some of everything that we've talked about a lot south park bigger longer yes. uncut mm-hmm. that uh was a shocking movie experience yes, i was. think for for both of us maybe shocking. all three of us yeah yes shocking like chris has said he came out and said i don't know if we're gonna be able to show yeah. this movie <laughs> like, yeah it, it, and that of course is the point right they're trying to make a point about censorship and, and how sensitive we are to, to things and it's, to, to make that point as strong as possible they had to go that far over the top i'd like to see what the first draft of the script looked like yeah like because well, i know that they put some stuff in there for the mpaa to cut out anyway they did but i but like but way before that the first draft you know that was hard as shit yeah they yeah, had to yeah, go through yeah. and sweep out some of it i wonder mm. what that looks like it's uh if you if you can find it go on go and find matt stone's letter to the mpaa after he finally gets the r rating on this movie uh talking about what they cut out and everything matt St- that is a, one of the funniest letters that you'll ever ever well because he's so straightforward very and- straightforward we it's like uh it's like uh the the penis that saddam hussein pulls out of the out of the uh out of the covers <laughs> is revealed to be a fake one so <laughs> so you know <laughs> that, that type of thing um you can also you can also uh see some funny stuff about this movie and this film is not yet rated uh-huh the documentary that came out about like how how ridiculous the mpaa is when it comes to whether they give it an r or an nc-17 or whatever like you know cutting out the number of thrusts in a sex scene <laughs> it gets you uh, you know something gets you an r rating instead of an nc-17 uh but yeah this is a funny movie it it is also extremely outdated south park at this point mm. uh and i can i can watch this anytime it's it's a funny movie to me the, the songs are fantastic yeah it's a great musical and and yeah and it and it's and it's got a great message to it as far as the NBA is concerned uh but i was, I was listening to the commentary on this and they're like it's like i i can't even remember making this movie anymore like uh like and, and just imagine a south park with no butters in it now like we have butters and everything yeah. now and yeah. all this other type of stuff uh but uh but yeah i mean even though i've said that it's one of my all-time favorite comedies just because in the the satan up there song is one of my favorite things of all time all these all these songs they go over the top yeah mom's a bitch and uncle fucker and like you know (laughs) up there and all i mean the uh la resistance yeah like man they just they really go for like what an actual musical would be and that's why it, well, they, they, they got, sell so hard what's his name like yeah, a real yeah. songwriter involved yeah. <laughs> man that movie was oscar nominated i think yeah, blame yeah. canada was nominated. blame canada yeah. was the nominated song didn't they try right. to give it to uncle fucker but they had to settle on blame they canada i think the i think matt stone and trey parker wanted it but yeah. i don't know if the academy was ever and of course they had the stupid thing too when robin williams came out to sing it at the oscars and everything they're like we don't want you to say fart and he still said it anyway, you know. Oh, I mean, really? Yeah, they didn't want him to say fart. I mean, Jesus. like, come on. They're they're making their point right but there. But it ended up going to. Uh, what I'd like is I'd like to hug and kiss you. Yeah, oh, that's better. Yeah, Everyone can enjoy yeah, that. Yeah, everybody can enjoy that. <laughs> it ended up going to that Phil Collins song in Tarzan, which uh, you know. Oh yeah, which they mercilessly they, mocked. Oh my God, they they took <laughs> issue with that in their actual TV series later on, and a couple of episodes oh, about wow. Phil Collins. Um, I guess we can talk about Tarzan briefly. Sure. Uh, I don't like it. No. Um, no. 
and it's you know th- I don't I hate that song too. I, you kind of like that song though, right? You'll be in my heart. Yeah, yeah, that's a good song. Yeah, I, I've never really liked that song, and and I thought this was this was Disney sort of you know s- certainly going downhill from what they had be- at the beginning of the decade and everything, but um, and, and I felt like they were just kind of churning these out. You want to like, know why I like that song? Because it sounds like Genesis. It's oh, a yeah. Phil Collins song through and through, mm-hmm. it, regardless of what the words are or that it has to do with a animated ape movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It was just nice to hear a little Genesis sound again. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, Tarzan was huge. I mean, animation was was big, but Tarzan, Tar- Tarzan and Toy Story two made the top ten that mm-hmm. year. Um, but uh, but a lot of like animated movies in 1999. Yeah, a lot a lot of good ones. Tarzan's at the lower end of that, mm-hmm. I think. But um, what else, Gus? Well, um, it was a big year for the number 13 because we had the 13th floor mm-hmm. and the 13th warrior. Yeah, <laughs> the 13th warrior is the one I want to talk about briefly um, because it's because this was 99. I feel like this movie just slipped under the radar. Uh, I love it. I don't know that I would give it an A or an A plus, mm-hmm. uh, but I love the transition of basically wimpy Persian poet that Antonio Banderas goes on to full-fledged, you know, Norse warrior by the end of it. Like, in the early on, they give him a sword and he can't even lift it. He's like, I can't lift this sword. And the, the Viking guy's like, grow stronger! <laughs> yeah, yeah. And by the end, he can not only lift the sword, but he knows the warrior chant they're doing in the rain as the bad guys are approaching. Uh, I freaking love this movie. Uh, basically, sort of an offshoot of Beowulf. Uh, the the leader of this group is supposed to be Beowulf, and uh, and uh, I just love it. If you haven't seen it, it's John McTiernan. Yeah, John McTiernan. Um, I, I and Michael Crichton, right? Yeah, Michael yeah, Crichton Michael, wrote the book. Yeah. It was called Eaters of the Dead. Um, um, Michael Crichton's got a, like an uncredited director's nod yeah. on it, but uh, this is I don't know. I, I guess this isn't the last uh, McTiernan. I mean, Thomas Crown Affair came out also in 1999. Mm-hmm. It was another Good McTiernan movie. Um, yeah, very good. But then after that, he makes Rollerball, the remake of mm. Rollerball. That's not good. And then, and then the movie Basic, which is okay. Like it's most people find that shitty. I thought yeah. it was okay. And then after that, he went to jail. He went to jail. He has no credits other than something called Thin Rain that's apparently coming out. Um, it's the sequel to Hard Rain. It's the sequel to Hard Rain. <laughs> I thought maybe it was the sequel to Heavy Rain. It's the prequel. It's the prequel it's to Hard Rain. <laughs> it's the Rain trilogy. Yeah. Or wait, Chubby Rain, which is the movie within a movie from Bowfinger. That's right. Which came out in 99. That's nice. right. Chubby Rain. That's right. Uh, I haven't seen Well, anyway, getting back to the 13th Warrior, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it since it came out. Thomas Crown Affair, I, I probably haven't seen that since it came out. I liked oh, it. Oh, I just saw it a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I like, it holds up really well. Yeah, mm-hmm. I liked it quite a bit. That's Pierce sexy. Brosnan being what you would he hope that the Bond. Bond. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, you've been, if you were disappointed by the Brosnan Bonds, watch Thomas Crown Affair. It's yeah. fun. It makes you think. There's kind of a heist element. It's sexy as shit. Uh, the romance between him and Rene Russo. Uh, it's an adult thriller. Like it, it makes you feel like it's treating you like an adult. But it's still light and fluffy oh, yeah, yeah. and fun. Well, it's and if heavy. you liked Bond, you, a new Bond did come out in this year. The world is not enough. Whew. One of the worst Bonds. It's fucking terrible. One of the worst. They all um, run together for me. I don't even know which one's which. Well, is this Denise has Richards Denise Richards. In this one? <laughs> yeah. 
the, I, rem- I remember you coming up to the booth one time. I was building this movie, and you know, the world is not enough because that's all he kept saying in the trailer. <laughs> yeah. and, and I was like, it certainly isn't. And like, it, it just, uh, yeah, that, I mean, yeah, Denise Richards in a Bond movie playing. Uh, a nuclear physicist that just uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's like the Vivica Fox's character from one Independence Day to the other yeah, so yeah. she's like a stripper and yeah, then what was she like now a she's a doctor, doctor. Yes. she's the she's <laughs> like medically trained yeah, she's like the actual head doctor yeah. in that movie I believe <laughs> Um. All right, let's get to it. Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace came out, and it was the number one movie box office wise. Man, what a trailer, though! Yes, that first full mm. trailer for this movie had everything it needed to get me excited. That mm-hmm. slow <laughs> hovering <laughs> ships over the grass. Yeah, that one line of Ewan McGregor sounding exactly like Obi Wan Kenobi. Yep. Um. Boy, it didn't deliver though. No. The, the actual movie. I remember now. If this had been good it would have been a different story but i do remember a lot of people telling me this is going to beat titanic but i was like no you know it's not i mean movies have to be very special to do that mm. even star wars has to be special to beat to, to make 600 million dollars in a year ended up making 431 which is still quite a lot even for a movie that people were like eh, i don't know like i watched this the first time and i was like well that was okay that was all right. It had that speeder scene in it. It's good. And then you watch it the second time and you're like, oh. But then there was the midnight showing, too, where everybody was just yeah, like, they took their anticipation up. all the way up to, to well, a different and level. I think the movie delivers enough of what you wanted that first viewing. You can be tricked, right? Like the lightsaber fight with Darth oh, Maul yeah, with Darth, at the oh, end yeah. is fantastic. And that score during that famous. Oh, God, the Duel of the Fates is. Yeah, it's one of the best pieces of music John Williams has ever written. Um, but this is one of the most long delayed reactions, right? Like the <laughs> fan base took a long time <laughs> yeah. to make <laughs> peace with the fact that this sucked. Well, yeah. I, I still have people who defend these, all three of these movies, like as exactly what Lucas intended. And they're listening. It may be. May yeah. very well be. <laughs> that doesn't make it good. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, it took a while for the culture at large to collectively agree, yeah, those movies are bad. It, it was. No, yeah. Denial lasted for a long There's time. There's something about. And and this was the movie that Lucas was hoping to usher digital projection in with. He wanted people, he wanted the theaters to like convert for this movie and just be ready for it when it came out. And theaters sort of resisted. It took a long time after this before that well, actually Do you remember happened. that list of instructions that fucker sent to yeah, the theater? Yeah. Like they wanted, they had like 43 bullet points for ushers. They had to walk, they wanted them to walk the auditoriums with their backs to the screen. What? Mm. So you've seen, you're watching a movie, a Regal employee or Carmack, whatever. Somebody will come in and walk the auditorium just to make sure no one's fucking or whatever. Uh, They wanted those people to go up the stairs and down the stairs with the back to the screen. Why? To protect the precious Lucas sperm. Spoiler (laughs) shit. That's how overly paranoid he was about piracy and spoilers. And well, of course, the day you and I met, we Mm -hmm. were trying to catch a guy filming the goddamn movie. Oh, seriously? It yeah. turned out he he had a 
a phone or some other gadget that wasn't a, a camera, but from the booth, it looked like there was a guy sitting there filming it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Lucas sent this ridiculous list of rules. It was like employees were not allowed to see that movie before it came out. And there was also a thing about posters too. Like they were like, yep. you have to send the posters the back trailers. or destroy them or whatever. And it's like, you really think we're going to do that? No. Yeah. But then by the time the movie came out and everything I was like well maybe it's a good idea to burn all that shit i don't know <laughs> um uh but yeah this is yeah this is uh it's definitely one of the most disappointing because there's because 16 years had passed and most of the the real audience for it were people our age because we had grown up with star wars and everything uh and to have this to be the movie that we finally you know saw after so long it, the the special effects in this are just there's it's too much mm -hmm. backgrounds entire entire cities are digital effects jar jar binks jar jar binks i mean there's there's so much digital effects in this and and it and you know it's one of those things where you may not may not register that this is fake in the background a lot but you do sort of feel that fakeness you know, after after a while, like there's something I'm not gra quite grasping onto here. There's something just wrong about what I'm watching. It's too cartoony. It's too whatever. But yeah, I saw an interview with Natalie Portman like a week ago where she said she did the Star Wars movies because she thought, well, these are timeless. I'll have something to show my kids. And then they killed me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> she didn't know when she signed up that they were going to. And she's like, now I don't want to torture my kids by having them watch mommy die. So. Yeah. Another unbelievably great movie in 1999 that we haven't gotten to yet is The Insider. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Russell Crowe. Yeah. Russell Crowe in one of his best performances. This is Michael Mann doing his best. Al Pacino is Al one of his great. best yep. performances. Um, this is about the. Um, the brown and williamson and the cigarette lot you know cigarettes basically keeping from people who smoke cigarettes that there's a chemical that goes to your brain that we put in these cigarettes so that you'll continue to want to buy cigarettes mm -hmm. um and uh and it's about his you know him uh trying to work his way around this confidentiality agreement uh laying down that premise it sounds like a boring ass movie yeah it should be but it's not yeah it is intense it's a very it's very much like a thriller yeah all the way through this um and and just i mean this is how how these stories like 60 minutes get a guy like jeffrey wygan and and try to get him to break his confidentiality agreement and try to protect him and all the stuff that the the you know the tobacco lobby is trying to do to this guy all the way throughout oh man it's everybody's so trying to screw him yeah absolutely <laughs> the network and the brown and williamson there is a scene in here with bruce mcgill who plays the lawyer in this where they're doing a deposition and uh and he's like sitting there like he's like trying to get wygan to say it acts like a drug doesn't it? it acts like a drug and the tobacco lawyers are like you cannot answer that question and and bruce mcgill gives the one the biggest dressing down i've ever seen in a movie probably where he's like our client has rights here he's like oh yeah you got rights you got less middles so what you don't get to instruct <laughs> anything in this court he's like what's that smoke off your face <laughs> 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 this, 
that position will be part of the record. <laughs> he's going to be part of the record whether the hell you like it or not. <laughs> and he's like, okay, Mr. Wygant, answer the question. <laughs> Can you guys tell that Chris likes this movie? <laughs> it is fucking awesome is what it is. Well, we, uh, in my absence last week, you guys gave out of sight best of 98. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Here's a $20 bill for both of mm-hmm. you. Uh, mm-hmm. But that was followed up by uh, the limey. Stoneberg yes, had the limey <laughs> yeah. in '99, and if Out of Sight hadn't come along, we might we might be talking about the limey as one of his best works in this era. And again, you and talk about like this is your typical sort of like scorned revenge man kind mm-hmm. of angry type thing. But Terrence Stamp just owns this oh, role. Yes, Love he it does. so much. To end. Yes, uh, he's Mike Ermintrout before Mike Ermintrout. <laughs> yeah, he kind of is really, with a little bit of an accent. <laughs> a yeah, little bit of an accent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, this movie is so cool to me because of the editing. The editing is so mm-hmm. almost herky-jerky and everything. But they edit in a Terrence Stamp performance from 1967 to play old Terrence Stamp. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's so awesome. Yeah, yeah it is awesome. Soderbergh is at his, you know, we, you talked about the height of his game, and he's so at the height of his game with this mm-hmm. movie. And it's a very little scene movie, actually. Yeah, yeah, When it comes down to it. Now, most people, you know, you talk about seeing the line, you love it, but... Um, but yeah, this is, this is another one of those recommend, go out and watch this now. It's one oh, of those yeah, great definitely. movies that, you know, sort of went uh, under the radar. Peter Fonda is a slimy motherfucker. Yes, he <laughs> is. Yes, he is. Uh, another, um, uh, sort of teen comedy that sort of transcended teen comedies. 10 things I hate about you came out in 1999. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, introduced a lot of us to Heath Ledger, um, and, uh, Julia Stiles, who's still one of my, like, all-time favorite crushes i think mm. uh, but uh but this is a, a really funny movie uh-huh. like it doesn't it doesn't like uh you know it 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 goes for it a lot of times you know it goes for some weird things every once in a while and it's playing on uh what is the shakespeare it's taming playing, of the shrew taming of the shrew mm. on this it's playing on the taming of the shrew Joseph Gordon-Levitt, super young Joseph, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, yeah, mm-hmm. who's trying to who's trying to date uh, the younger daughter, but uh, can only date if the if Julia Stiles dates, yeah. right? And so they're trying to get Heath Ledger to date Julia Stiles, and everything. that's uh, one of those the preposterous things, like <laughs> like can't get anybody, can't get well. Mostly it's her; she she doesn't date, she won't date anybody, but like. There's a scene in there where there's a bunch of people who are like, no, man. Yeah. I don't want to date Julia Stiles. You know, she's got a reputation. Yeah. Of being hot. Of being <laughs> smart. Yeah. Yeah. Of being smart. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a really funny comedy. It's, yeah, it's very charming, I think. Yeah. Um, despite the paintball scene that I hate. Yeah. Which is just sort of. <laughs> oh, yeah. The paintball scene is. Yeah. yeah, we paid for a song. We better come up with a date montage to use the song. <laughs> it is great, though. It's such a great Heath Ledger performance. And when he's running away from the security guards, when he's doing the, I love yeah. you, babe, it's just like, you know, high stepping and stuff yeah. like that. It's, it, it's fun. It's yeah, fun it's very watch. charming. All I like right. I think I'll officially um, rapid fire now. Uh, Girl Interrupted came out in 1999. Angelina yep. Jolie won the Oscar for this. 
Um, and Winona Ryder is still pissed. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't like this movie. I did like her performance. I didn't like this movie either. Yeah, the movie's not very good. Um, a horror movie that I really like, Stir of Echoes, came out. Oh, yeah. so uh, good. Yeah, it's a really good. It, like, it, it got caught up in all that Sixth Sense and Stigmata came out around the yep. same time yeah. and all that stuff. But Stir of Echoes was really good. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, if, you're, if you're a horror fan, Another I think... Another movie that features the Rolling Stones song uh, over and over and over again. We were talking about Fallen last week. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I love Fallen. Man. Yeah, yeah, I wish I could have been here for that. Yeah. Uh, Tim Burton's Sleepy Hollow came out. Do you guys hate this movie? Uh, I don't like it. I'm not a big fan of it. It looks no. good. I like it better than than most people. I, th- I mean, it's it's a middle-of-the-road Tim Burton movie for me. Yeah, I wouldn't tell too many people that. Mm. It's not terrible, but it's not. Yeah, good. it's yeah, definitely yeah. not a terrible movie, but yeah, I, I, I could do without watching mm. it. Notting Hill came out. That's like, you know, everybody who has ever had been on a date has had to watch this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, She's All That uh, was sort of a departure for Miramax as they <laughs> started making these type of movies yeah. all of a sudden. They were usually, usually just made Oscar movies, but they, they started making this. We briefly touched on Cruel Intentions. I don't like this movie like a lot of people do. It's No. I don't think the movie's any good. I just think everybody, I just think all the males who saw that kiss yeah. could think of nothing else when they came out and it just became this movie everybody thought of highly. Uh, it's got, actually, I think a lot of preposterous performances in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people are a little too far over the top. Yeah. Like Selma Blair. Yeah. 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 You can't look like Selma Blair, but have the understanding about sex that a four-year-old has. <laughs> yeah. It's just not possible. Yeah. Sarah Michelle Gellar gives a really, she goes for it in this performance. Though. Yeah, so she does. Her, but yeah. it's a little play on Dangerous Liaisons, yeah, yeah, which yep. is a much better movie yes, if you yes, watch that. For sure. um, and then there's some directors who made some sort of departure. Any Given Sunday, Oliver yeah. Stone. This, <laughs> Fuck this movie. This, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah it's so oh my god this movie's uh, yeah famous for the uh i got uh, my name is willie bean yeah 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 <laughs> i got the girl's cream and, <laughs> yeah yeah um sophia coppola's first movie the virgin suicides came awesome out movie. great yeah, movie yeah, like came out really good mood like i don't think i would call any of her movies great yeah but she's got such an eye and yeah. such a feel for tone uh and that's got to be genetic i think yeah 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 uh, but i'll watch anything she makes because of that just yeah very uh, just a i wouldn't say fun movie but just a it's a it's a i don't know yeah, mood is right it's a pretty it's movie the mo- yeah, 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 yeah um uh deep blue sea we gotta mention briefly <laughs> uh, shark fucking ate me yeah. <laughs> um Everybody in the fucking world loves the boondock saints so yeah. we're gonna bring that up i'm not a huge fan of it i think it's okay um, but that came out and then, um, another weird w- departure, Martin Scorsese made bringing out the yeah. dead in 1999. Yes, he did. Such a different movie for him. It's got some moments in it and this is Nicholas Cage being manic like always, mm-hmm. but, um, do you guys like mystery men? Yeah. 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 Mystery <laughs> men. See, mystery men is weird because I, almost no one went to see it, but then I've realized it's gotten kind of a good reputation. Yeah. It's like one of those people who have seen it seem to remember it fondly but it's it's disjointed as hell yeah it's got a lot of funny moments but it does not congeal together as a film for me i feel like if ben stiller directed that it, yeah. it actually probably would have been a much you better might have film. had a better yeah might have hit the bullseye another one i'm sorry i'm gonna have to mention a couple others um Aud- audition came out this oh, is a yeah. takashi miike horror movie that's 
fucked up. Yep. Oh my god, it's fucked up. Um, and if like I said, if you like horror, that's that is uh, that's one of the scariest movies I've seen just mm. because of how fucked up it is. Um, and then there's Boys Don't Cry, which also was uh, that was uh, Hillary Swank winning. Well, that was a big Oscar nominated movie. Yeah, she won the the won the Oscar for this. Um, and then there's a lot of like you know like The Haunting and Wild Wild West and all that bullshit. Let's uh let's uh, vote. This could be interesting yeah <laughs> all right today's uh order is barrett jeremy and chris uh-oh all there right. we are so probably multiple rounds but we'll see we'll see how it goes uh my first pick is going to be eyes wide shut because i said it's one of my favorite films of all time uh, i think kubrick uh ends up just hitting it out of the park but but slowly and it's a slow build both during the movie and then after you watch it so that's you my just pick. like boobs <laughs> there's a lot of boobs in this film there's a lot of boobs just a lot of boobs and you like them yeah okay. i'm going the matrix mm-hmm. not a lot of boobs in this movie mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um my favorite movie of all time holds up really well makes you think um solid performances and the movie delivers everything you want it delivers a, a, a high concept premise humor action innovation um and of course they built the sets so the matrix my pick <laughs> I don't think I. I don't think I'm still even. I don't have as as strong as a number one as you guys do because uh-huh. I look at this and it's just insane how many things I have to pick in this. Um, but I, I, I'll again. I guess I'll go with movie I've seen more than any of them all out of this group, and that's going to be The Sixth Sense. Mm. Oh wow! Um, the Sixth Sense is. It's very rare for a movie to have that. And we were talking about this earlier. It's very rare for a movie to have a surprise ending yet still be good without the surprise ending. And it was a magic trick what he pulled on this movie. And, um, you know, and that's really no disservice to any of the movies that I didn't pick here because we're going to go multiple rounds. Yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure. We'll hash um, it out. But, we're just talking. We just talk. But I can't put Eyes Wide Shut and The Matrix over that movie. Yeah, no, that's a good uh, point. No one's asking you to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. My second pick is American Beauty. Okay. Wow. I think it's a perfect little chunk of that era. I think Spacey's performance, Annette Benning's performance, which we didn't really talk about that much, is just absolutely brilliant. Oh, she's great. I mean, just her her story over the course of being just this, you know, go get her wife and everything, and then all the way to where her she's in disaster mode by the yeah. end of this movie. Yeah, absolutely. And it's great. It's my pick. Uh, my, my second pick is The Iron Giant. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one of the few movies I will call flawless. Um, there's nothing wrong with it at all. Uh, and if you think there is, I will meet you out front and punch you in the face mm-hmm. in five minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, I just watched this movie like three days ago. It's been running on Showtime or HBO, one of them. And uh, I flip to it every every time I get the chance. Uh, my wife and I quote this movie regularly. When Mansley is hounding the kid because he knows the kid has a giant friend, but he hasn't seen it yet. And he's like always popping out. And he's like, where are you going? Where are you going? Where are you going? And at the very end of it, the kid's like, I'm going out. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever my wife is leaving the house and I didn't know she was going anywhere, I'm like, where are you going? She'll go, I'm going out. <laughs> uh, love this movie like it's a person. Iron Giant, number two. 
We're going to go three rounds at least right. now because I'm going to pick the insider as my second. Wow. Pick. We, we, we got this at the very end of our discussion and I was just like, how the fuck did we miss this one? <laughs> and, uh, and I've seen this a million times too, even though it's like three hours long and everything. It's so freaking good. Though. It is great. And, uh, and you know, so I, <laughs> I'm going to pick the insider. Christopher Plummer's really good. Yes, he is. Yeah. He played Mike Wallace in yeah, this. Yeah. yeah. And I think uh, Pacino often overshadows him when people talk about this movie, but, but he's so solid. Yeah, he's very good. The, the, especially the scene where Gina Gershon is like, keeps saying Mike, Mike, Mike. Yeah. And then he's like, he's like, Mike, Mike. Try Mr. Wallace, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, this is, I mean, this is just, just an unbelievably excellent movie in an excellent year. So go on. Jesus, I have to go. Fight Club okay. is number three. I mean, that's my. I got to stick with my 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 target here. This but is pretty absurd. Yes, it is. Yeah, we're gonna have to do some calculus to to figure this out. We haven't repeated enough. <laughs> no, that's how yeah, amazing it's, this year is. It's whatever is gonna have the lowest score, though. So, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. you know, so that's what we're we're gonna go for. Uh, my third pick is Galaxy Quest. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, it, it there's something about sci-fi that helps keep a movie from aging, right? Um. Uh, but I feel like this is timeless, and it's because Star Trek is timeless. They're about to do a new Star Trek show. We've got a new cast in the movies. I feel like this movie is going to play for the next 30 to 50 years uh, really well. Uh, one of the questions we debated for using today, we may use it, uh, was about uh, best ensemble casts, and uh, I separated mine by chemistry. Mm-hmm. Uh, Galaxy Quest, those actors have such great chemistry mm-hmm. in this movie. They play off each other so well, and you would never expect tim allen and alan rickman (laughs) to have good chemistry but it plays so well so that is my pick this might solve it i don't know we'll see uh i'm gonna pick the matrix as my third all right holy shit uh so i I think think that matrix think it may want it may have won it with that holy shit yeah, I mean that's the only one with with there two. Is no <laughs> spoon. Like we did it. Like the only thing I think we could do is go into a fourth round and pick the same movie in the fourth round. Yeah, and that would somehow do it. But this is this is the only repeat. So the Matrix wins. Yeah. So <laughs> there it is. Man, the last two champions, I'm really on board with. Yeah, right. Out of sight, <laughs> the Matrix are both in my top five. That would have been my next one though. Yeah. Well, yeah. and my next one would have been American. Beauty, and really, so. there's just honestly, it's one of those it's one of those years that I don't think I would have been hurt if American Beauty or Fight Club or you know any of these movies. Yeah. You know, I don't think any of these would have been uh, painful. I mean, yeah. the only thing that would have been painful is if somehow, like you know, Bicentennial Man, Bicentennial Man got in there. <laughs> drop dead gorgeous. Yeah, drop dead gorgeous. Um, That's like the most Christopher Guest movie without Christopher Guest. Yeah, you know, like yeah, yeah. round fifty six. You know, like oh well, we've mentioned we've mentioned the world is not enough more than any of these. So Chris has grown a full beard. By the yeah, end. yeah. So we end up giving it to Never Been Kissed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> By default, somehow, whatever. But yeah, uh, the Matrix is a uh, is a good one. It's, yeah, it out of this year, it might be the one that stands out the most as far as, uh, you know, as far as ingenuity and uh, and it kind of it's uh, the reach afterwards. People trying to emulate the Matrix yeah, and everything. For sure. uh, so Underworld, I, the whole Underworld series owes itself to Matrix. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm down with that. All right, so we're going to Q&A right away. Question. Question. I got something to say. Oh, 
I'm listening. Our questions come from our subreddit. We've talked about it before, but go to reddit.com slash r slash cinemasins. There's a up at the top. There's a uh, weekly question thread and all these come from that. Um, first question is, do you have a favorite heist or crime movie? Mm. And I think we're all into that genre. Um, I'll just start on mine. Uh, one that came out, I believe it was 2006. It's a Spike Lee movie, mm-hmm. uh, which is very... This ain't no bank robbery. Yeah. <laughs> this is a very strange Spike Lee movie by his standards. But it's Inside Man, and it's Clive Owen and uh, Jodie Foster and Denzel Washington. And, man, it, it's it's really smart. It's really cool. Um, it, it's paced beautifully, mm-hmm. and I, I love it. I think it's awesome. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah I love I Inside Man. Well, and, you know, the tendency here, you know, the first thing I wrote down was sneakers. We've yeah. talked about sneakers so much. And then I wrote down The Town, but I've already talked about how that's one of my favorite action movies mm. to rewatch scenes from. So I thought I'd go obscure and give me a chance to talk about a little movie called Safe Men. Yeah. yeah. You guys ever seen this? <laughs> yeah. Um, so these these guys basically trick their way into getting this. They're not safe crackers, but they and they take this job from this gangster to steal the Stanley Cup. Uh, yeah <laughs> and uh there's one there's two memorable things about this movie uh, sweet stash bro which is a line somebody says to somebody who has a mustache and if you watch this movie you will quote that ceaselessly but then there's also the moment where they they meet the real two safe crackers in the safe which is like just slightly smaller than like a room there's like a seven six foot ceiling but after discussion they all give each other five so there's there's one two three, four, there's four high fives that take place and they go boom and immediately right up to the ceiling and smash their hands, but they don't stop doing it. They they do all the other high fives in succession, even though the first one hit the ceiling of the safe and they were, ow, they keep doing it. Give each other a high five and it goes up. Anyway, uh, I haven't seen it in ages, but it's one of those movies that I was like, oh, I know some of those people. I'll grab this off the video store shelf and it was so much fun and charming. I think you'd like it. Yeah. Nice. Um, there are a couple I'll just briefly mention and then I'll get into the 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 main lame the lame one. <laughs> the main lame the main lame one, you know, where I like I go ahead and pick the popular movie, but uh The Killing, Stanley Kubrick's nineteen fifty six movie is a really good heist film. It's mm. about uh a bunch of guys like trying to rob a hor- a racetrack. Um really good. I would uh, uh if you a wanna be complete your kubrick collection that's yeah. really one of one of his best uh heist the david mamet yeah. uh movie Fantastic. really good great cast and everything is in that gene hackman and uh it's just um it, that's a really fun movie I just haven't seen it in forever and I haven't been able to find it anywhere to watch it again but i'll go with the lame one and say oceans 11 since we haven't yeah. haven't uh haven't talked about that one i just enjoy how all these characters interact with each other and how they all have a role and like uh they pull off this heist now it's it's obviously bullshit that they would ever be able to do this but it's so fun anyway i don't really care that it's bullshit and the way and it's even if even if it's bullshit you still sort of there nod and go yeah you could get away with that well, yeah, I guess. Uh, one of the under talk parts about that movie that's fantastic is the score mm-hmm. uh yeah it's yeah almost yeah. C- carved out its own genre right because mm-hmm. now if you go to like stock music websites and you're looking for something you type in oceans and you can find dozens of stuff that sounds like oceans 11 heist music but it's a perfect kind of music for a heist yeah, yeah yeah i think actually one of the underrated parts of that movie is brad pitt's performance yeah I mean, he should be like 300 pounds by the time, <laughs> all the stuff that he's eating. Yeah. But I think he's such an integral part to it, and he kind of gets like 
you know, shoved aside with the Matt Damon's character and Clooney and all those other guys. I just love how a how it's not just the heist; it's everything. It's there's even after even while they're they've completing this heist, Pitt is sort of doing some misdirection with Andy yeah. Garcia and everything on the phone. They think they got him, and you know everything is misdirection. It's a big magic trick mm-hmm. that they're pulling off. Basically, it's like you know. Uh, a better now you see me um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh what's next okay next question is what is the best movie that takes place over 24 hours or less mm. uh, this is a very interesting there's a lot of candidates that that come to mind there are um for mine i uh take the breakfast club actually because oh. that that really reaches in and explores all these different you know of course they're all caricatures of different high school cliques and everything like that but it gets the job done within the period of detention basically yeah and you know these these characters really come a long way from start to finish and it's a very brief time frame and you kind of think of it as being more expansive but it's it's more contained i like it yeah, you could also do Ferris Bueller from that era, right? Yeah, yeah. Because mm-hmm. that was all one day. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of that, I chose to go with uh, Before Sunrise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy. Oh, um, so good. Richard Linklater, the first in the trilogy. And they're all All great. three of them are amazing. But the first one is basically one night in Paris. They meet and walk around and fall in love. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you have never seen that movie, forget about the fact that it's all in 24 hours. Just watch it because it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, it's it's basically Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy just having a conversation that they're credited. I think they're credited as writers. I think on they this. are. Yeah. Either this one or the next couple, they are actually credited as writers on those movies because they're they they're sort of comfortable with their characters enough to just be able to come up with whatever they're going to say at this point in time that they're they're in and everything. I'm I'm going to stay with Linkletter and say Dazed and Confused. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, because uh, that one, I, I said before in 1993, this is one of my favorite movies that I've ever ever really, um, and uh, and it's I just I just love how this you know how all these high schoolers are interacting and and uh, it just given one night and they're you know they they're trying to have a party for the last day of school and and um and everything and it's just it's fun how all the you know, so many great actors came out of that movie yeah. but just just the the dynamic it sets in this this one night this basically one day the school gets out and then it's like you know the seniors are trying to paddle the freshmen and and uh they're they're uh they're trying they're gonna ha- try to have a party at a friend's house but the parents find out and you know then they have to do it up on the hill it's very simple very straightforward <laughs> it what happens in this but all these guys people's interaction are great so i'm gonna say that one good call nice last question here if you were to take any movie pre-1960 to remake which film would it be and which director would you want to head it up there's a lot of good choices here and there's a lot of movies that have been remade yes there are yeah so it's kind of hard to pick out uh my pick would be sunset boulevard because i think just given the, the the content of that and the old Hollywood and the new Hollywood and, and kind of how things progress, I think somebody like Paul Thomas Anderson could do just a masterful job with that. Um, the characters could be, you know, kind of from his stable, actually. And I think it'd mm-hmm. be terrific. You know, somebody like Julianne Moore, somebody like William H. Macy. Um, yeah, so I, I, that, that'd definitely be my pick. I uh I went with uh, a movie we talked about recently. I don't think it was on the podcast. Maybe it was Arsenic and Old Lace. Yeah, yeah, we did. Um, which I, I 
did the play in college. My mom showed me way before that when I was a kid. Uh, has not been remade to my knowledge. Uh, and it's a great story. It's really funny. Uh, lots of like oddball characters and quirky dialogue. So I picked David Mamet um, nice. just to script and direct my remake of Arsenic and Old Lace, mostly based on State and Maine. And then he's mm -hmm. always good with verbal sparring and wordplay. But the tone of State and Maine is so similar to what Arsenic and Old Lace should be in tone. Uh, I think he'd do a great job. So that was me. Yeah. Well, we we had talked about it because we were doing the um, directors at oh, the yeah. height of the power. And I, <laughs> I brought up Frank Capra. That's right. Um, the uh, the one that I came up with was is Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, mainly because... I feel like our our perspective of politics has changed Ooh. so much since 1939. In 1939, there's this hope, there's this hope, and there's this lack of cynicism that you know Jimmy Stewart can get up and do this fili filibuster and like get the guy to admit that he did wrong yeah. because of it and and everything and good wins and everything. I feel like now politics are such a, are such a different animal that maybe we make Mr. Smith not so good mm. of a character this time. Maybe we get somebody who does fall to the corruption. Maybe of, we make him Mel Gibson and he impales someone on the American flag. Maybe. <laughs> exactly. Just like the Simpsons did. Unfortunately, uh, the Simpsons does have a parody of that, but, uh, but no, like somebody who is maybe, maybe not so idealistic yeah. or, or goes in idealistic and changes throughout the movie. And I, I thought David Simon would be, he's not a director. He's, he creates TV series mm -hmm. and he's sort of the headmaster of the wire and all this other. Um, so Simon's not a director. Like there's a lot of people in the wire that have done movies before, like uh, Ernest Dickerson and, and uh, Tim, I think Tim Van Patten did a lot of uh, other HBO shows and everything. When you look at the actual movies, some of the directors of the wire have done, they're not great movies. Mm. Ernest Dickerson has juice and he's got uh, surviving the game. So I maybe lean towards him, but somebody in that wire tree, I think, could could do a movie like this where they're we're actually delving into the the intricacies of politics today yeah and everything and that's why that's how i think a mr smith goes to washington would be because everything's changed that's yeah, the, yeah, the no, main that's, yeah, that's, that's yeah, the that's main that's the main thing for me is we don't <laughs> want to we don't want to just remake a movie because it can be made remade we want to make it something somewhat new and for a, a, a new generation that makes sense. Yeah. There's a reason why we're changing the things that we're, you know, we're remaking this movie. Maybe we have a different perspective than we did. You can't so. have cockeyed optimism just <laughs> right. to Capitol Hill now. Yeah, nope. exactly. No. Well, that's going to be it. That's a heavy ass show, even though we didn't have a main topic. Mm. Well, that just goes to show how 1999 is and why we decided to do it for a whole episode. Yeah. Um, but uh, that will be it. Just keep going to SoundCloud, giving us your comments and telling us how we're doing. But that'll be it for this week. This is Chris Atkins and Jeremy Scott and Barrett Sherr. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. I did see Arlington Road the other day. Oh, I love Arlington Road. <laughs>
it's a movie that gets much better as it goes on because it, it starts off pretty shitty yeah that's uh that's sort of what this uh what keeping up with the joneses or whatever that zach galifianakis mm-hmm. movie it's kind of a play on that because mm-hmm. it's i wonder if the the neighbors are evil or whatever yeah and arlington road is like yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're evil as fuck yeah it's talking about arlington road without me no he 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 was like i could talk up 30 minutes about that movie do you, you like know? it i do like it i rewatched it and it starts off real slow for me but then that that it's pretty preposterous, terrific. but I like it a lot. But, I mean, that opening shot of the kid walking down the road yeah. with his thumb missing, it's yeah. just like, Jesus, yeah. this is where we start. Yeah, this is the beginning. <sighs> where she's just like, Okie dokie, pig in a pokey. That's a Gordy reference, right? I don't know, but for whatever reason, I... Took to saying it, even though I don't know the reference. <laughs> One of the funniest motherfuckers I've ever known, just because he wasn't afraid to say anything. Yeah, he was well, a lot like that chef we had, RJ. Yeah, he was <laughs> exactly like that guy. He's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Zero fuck given. Yeah. He's like, uh, he's, he's, at one point, somebody came up to the, to the booth and he was, he was just sitting around and, and, uh, and uh, so he said something about, I don't know, he's like, he's like, hey, man, you never do that. It's, it's almost like the Joe Pesci thing in Lethal Weapon 3 where he's like, they fuck you through the drive-thru and all that. He's like, don't ever do that, man. They, they fuck you. They fuck you. And he's like, I got fucked. <laughs> <laughs> he just... <laughs> all right. <laughs> so there's 99 Love Balloons. And there's also the song 99... I had an aunt and an uncle that sent my brother and I a birthday card with $1 in it all the way up until we were 18. Oh, my God. (laughs) And at some point, it just got funny. Yeah. So we started, like, treating that dollar like it was more special than other dollars. What am I going to spend this year's birthday dollar on? Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. You get a sweet tea from McDonald's with that. Yeah, absolutely. Tommy. How's the peeping? So can I get you gentlemen something more to drink? Or maybe something to nibble on? Some pizza shooters, shrimp poppers, or extreme fajitas? You like getting oh. nailed by the king? Oh yes, I yeah. love it! Fuck me, your majesty! <laughs> <laughs>